Hello, listeners. You're about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we can share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Probably right now, possibly number one of the best Spotify baseball podcasts on... I think we're top of the charts, yeah. Spotify, yeah, right now. Uh, episode 18, Alex. Uh, first kick it off, man. How was your week? How's, how's, how's things going right now? Good, good, yeah. Uh, I actually, we had a bit of an irregular upload uh, timing last week because I was I was out of town for the week uh, up in NorCal visiting some some old family friends and we had a great time uh, hanging out and doing stuff on the lake and I had an awesome time. Uh, how was your week, Trev? You know, boring as usual. Just uh, <laughs> the same old grind. S- staying inside uh, from from the sun and just trying to see all that humid heat here in California that we're getting. But uh, but no, good, good, honestly. Uh, but you know, kind of like with the. Uh, second half starting up right now. Um, things are kind of getting hot in most divisions. We've seen a lot of great games the past weeks, you know, kicking off with the Dodgers and the Giants. We saw an epic four-game battle there. And then this weekend, we saw the uh, Yankees and the Red Sox going at it in kind of a uh, vicious rivalry, kind of being renewed with all that young talent that both teams got. Um, but today, you know, we kind of want to talk about uh, the trade deadline coming up. Uh, we have a week until it's August 1st, and the trade deadline will be over. Uh, we want to talk about who our buyers and sellers will be, um, what teams are really interesting in that case. Uh, talk as well about the whole kind of debacle scenario with the umpiring lately. You know, we've had a lot of big issues and huge calls that have been missed on the umpiring um, in the past week. This season, at, you know, mostly I've seen a lot of umpiring mistakes this season. It's been yeah. kind of highlighted a lot this year. So we, of course, me and Alex want to touch a bit on that. Uh, touch a bit a little bit on the important games. Some other things that have happened in the league, you know, of course, and finish up with some Angels talk as we usually do. Um, but Alex, I'll start off today by um, asking you kind of a, your thought on a uh, on a certain franchise MLB name change. Oh, you're so, right, right. Yeah, so this week, uh, Cleveland Indians will be turned into the Cleveland Guardians. Right. So, yeah, I don't know exactly when this is planning on being implemented. It might be next season. I think next season. Next season, okay. Okay, so uh, the name will be changed to Guardians. Everything, the stadium will have to have all the names changed to Guardians. But um, thoughts on that? Yeah, so uh, interesting choice. Uh, for some reason, I've heard that name as like an option for a little while now. Like, I've heard people say the name Guardians is like a good, like, option for like the Redskins or the uh you know the Indians or the Braves to switch to I don't know why that you know came up as like a a thought um but uh I think that the uh, some people were hitting on the logo I think the logo with the G and the wings I think that's fine I think it's you know I mean personally I got no problem with that at all uh and then I think that you know the name Guardians I also think it's fine you know I think it's you know, a step in the right direction for the organization, trying to, you know, get rid of, you know, that the old names that are, you know, uh, uh, that may offend some people. So, uh, you know, good that they're, uh, you know, making the change. I don't know if I would have picked Guardians. I'm not sure what I would have picked instead, though. So, you know, I can't really say that I had any better ideas. Um, I do think that, like, they had, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, Travis, they're like the Cleveland Indians official Twitter account, like, tweeted a video of a, like, 
kind of all these like franchise like historic figures or like active players yeah. were, were saying like oh like you know the city of Cleveland this is all about you and like it was like a like a two or three minute video it was like kind of long and they announced at the end like oh Guardians is the name we're gonna go with and it was like, I saw someone say like I think someone like uh, quoted the tweet and just said boring and like I thought it was kind of funny like <laughs> I think it was kind of true it's like you know it, 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 it's not exactly the the most hype like name reveal ever but you know I think it, it, it'll do the job and I think it really comes down to what the uniforms are going to look like. I assume they're going to be pretty similar to what they look like now, but with a bit of a, of a little change. So I think it'll come down to that. And like, you know, how does the uniform look? How does the stadium look when they kind of tweak things? So overall, um, I'm, 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 I'm good with it. You know, what, what do you think about it? Yeah. You know, I, I will say the whole, the, the G with the wings, I really didn't mind that. It was a cool look. I know people were saying it kind of gives off the old Disney angels look with, right. the, with the wings on the A. Yeah. And now you got the the wings on the G. Um, interesting too, they, the, the names are kind of similar because, you know, Indians, it ends with D-I-A-N-S as yeah. Guardians ends with the same kind of ending. So it's kind of a little bit of a similar similarity when it comes to that inside the stadium. Um, the looks of it is not free, not, not that bad. I, I did hear some people that actually, you know, are from the area um, of Cleveland on Twitter, and they were saying, of course, because I guess when you enter the city or you enter near the stadium, there's like these two guardian pillars okay, that hold yeah. this bridge. And so they're like, that's why it's like the guardian. And I'm like, oh, okay, it makes a little more sense because I didn't really understand. I'm like, that makes sense. I, yeah. I, I thought they were going to go to spiders. I thought they were going to go to something. Yeah, but honestly, the spiders would have been like a really interesting throwback. It, it, it's kind of like, it would have been. It's something out of left field, kind of, but yeah. I think it would be kind of like the unique like twist that they could have yeah. taken and like embraced but exactly uh, go back to that kind of team or even even pull out you know respect to the uh the i, I know the season they've been doing a lot with like you know how the negro leagues have been, has been implemented into the majors maybe they could have went with like a negro league name and just kind of like the, the monarchs or something that's like an that. interesting idea yeah. and so just kind of do something like that but uh you know cleveland it's 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 already got you know the cleveland browns which is still kind of a really funny football team name and and yeah. you know now you got the guardians so you know, I've, I know there's going to be a lot of people, of course, that are still upset and pissed off from the whole entire name change. Um, I always was kind of like, you know, I, I never liked the name change, all that kind of stuff. I like to keep at least with all that stuff because now you have everyone's going to be, you know, wearing Indian stuff at the stadium for the next five years. It's going to just be like, hey, but it's a chance for the for the organization to get some new uh, sales on their on their merch. That's, too, that's so, true. That's true uh, too. I mean, I mean, I you know, obviously the reasons why they do it is because they're pressured to do it, you know, yep. for you know social reasons, but. You know, I'm sure that there's incentive uh, in other ways to, uh, you know, I guess re- rebrand, especially because they might be going through a bit of a rebuilding coming yeah, up. Yeah. Not sure uh, what's on the horizon for guys like Shane Bieber and mm-hmm. Jose Ramirez, mm-hmm. if they're going to stick around long term or not. But obviously shedding guys like Lindor and getting rid of some big names that, you know, maybe the rebranding is going to be, you know, uh, line up perfectly with, I guess, the way their their, their direction is going to go. But No, yeah. yeah, perfectly, perfectly said. And so... Um, yeah, just kind of interesting. I want to start the podcast off with because it, it was it was announced and everyone was kind of like, oh wow, because you know NFL you have the Redskins now going through changes and that that what I've heard is they are going to are going to stay as the Washington Football Team or club. Yeah, Charles. What what I will say is the in, the Indians becoming the Guardians is a much better transition than what the Redskins are doing because yeah. it seems like they're going to go in their second season of having pretty much no mascot it's like <laughs> exactly. did you guys did you guys abandon the name and then not come up with a game plan yeah like yeah, uh, yeah whereas at least the indians going to the guardians they said okay we're gonna announce it at a time when we know what we're gonna do exactly and 
by next season opening day, we're going to be different. So exactly. it's like they actually exactly. had a game plan, I felt like. Whereas the Washington football team, it's like, okay, you're going to be the football team for how much longer? What's yeah. the next name going to be? Know exactly, exactly. It seems like Washington football fans might just be kind of kind of just you know hoping that you know it gets figured out quickly. I can't imagine that. And just rooting for the Washington football team or the Washington football club uh, to be a little bit kind of on the weird side. But uh, we'll transition to... Um, just kind of our thoughts now with the the whole thing going on with the umpiring in Major League Baseball. We saw, um, of course, one thing I saw, and you saw another play as well, but uh, I think it was Wednesday night, uh, Dodgers-Giants, huge, huge check swing call that was uh, called incorrectly. Yeah. Um, it forced uh, one of the Giants hitters to actually take a walk, and that extended the inning, and that, of course, resulted in a um, Dodgers yeah. loss. That's, that game um, was kind of going... Um, yeah, it was getting a lot, a lot of headlines after the game, you know, all that kind of stuff. Of course, fans expressing their anger all over the place. But, um, but yeah, I know you, of course, we talked about this earlier in the season, and I know um, there's a scenario you want to bring up too, but yeah. um, umpiring, it's kind of turning into, you know, it seemed like it was always, you know, every sport, of course, has umpiring problems. You always see, you know, in basketball or football, you know, where, where was the call? But I think with baseball, you're getting a lot more of, you know, okay, seriously, now what's what, what are we doing? Because... There's a lot of calls that have just been plain awful. And it, yeah. it's really weird how to fix this kind of stuff. Right, yeah. It's hard to come up with a great solution. I'm not going to act like there is one. But the uh, specifically the balls and the strikes, Travis, it's becoming to a point where this old saying of, like, you can't argue balls and strikes. It's against the rule to argue balls and strikes. I get why it's a rule. Uh, the game would really slow down if every ball and strike was argued. But... It's coming down to when the umps are missing this many. I know it's all supposed to balance out in the long run. Like, okay, you might win some here. You might lose some here. But it feels like at the at the worst possible times, they're getting it wrong way too much. So like you said, in that Dodgers-Giants game, Dodger fans leave that call. They leave that game feeling robbed because they were in a scenario to win the game. And because of that call, they ended up losing the game because the game got extended. The inning got extended, uh, so on and so forth. Um, just like you mentioned, uh, I do have another uh, uh, like a brief uh, aside. Just a couple nights ago, I believe Friday night, when Hefo and the Angels worked a full count in the ninth inning, and we were down by one. I forget if there's if there's no outs or one out, but he essentially he took ball four, which was about two ball lengths above the strike zone, and he's like a short guy, mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. he has the small strike zone. And he took, in, you know, you can see the graphic on the TV. It's like a good two ball lengths above the zone. And the ump punched him out. It's like, okay, we could have had a man on first base in a down by one game. Now there's two outs. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, now, you know, yeah. we're, we're trying to reset the order. And like that just totally, it totally, you know, it totally lost us the game. You don't want to point fingers at the umps and say that's the reason. Because obviously the team could have done better to put themselves in a better spot. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. You know, this whole thing of you can't argue balls and strikes for pace of play reasons. Well, why does that really matter if the fans are leaving the games feeling like cheated or robbed? Like that should be like the number one priority to avoid fans feeling like, okay, that was just like so stupid. We didn't even lose because we got bested. We lost because the ump did the wrong call. It, it, I think it just needs to change. And, and Travis, we're, we're watching the Angels and Twins game right now. One of the most bizarre things I think we've ever seen was... Uh, David Fletcher and the pitcher for the Twins touched first at the same exact time it looked like in the replay. Yeah. Same exact time. The call on the field is safe. And he looked safe, but, you know, if he called him out on the field, I would understand why they would leave it as out, right? Yeah. But they called him safe on the field, 
and then they went to review it, and then they called him out. But they clearly touched it at, 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 at the exact same time that they touched the bag. So I really don't understand how they reversed that. On what logic did they say, let's let's reverse this call and uh, and call Fletcher out? So I, it just feels like there's so many instances of like, you know, and then and then Travis, of course, the next at bat, Otani hits a home run. So that goes from being a, it could have been a solo, it could have been a two run home run instead it's a solo shot. So it just kind of goes to show you like these small little calls have a bigger impact than I think we give credit. And because of that, I think there really needs to be some, you know, stricter changes. Uh, if these ups are going to keep missing these calls, um, whether they review them or not, I think, you know, there just needs to be more of a, of a consequence for either for the umpires for getting it wrong or just a better review system needs to be put in place. Uh, so what do you think about all this kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. I think I always thought, you know, when we look at balls and strikes, it is, of course, it, you know, I ho- hopefully, you know, uh, umpires grading card or grading sheet, you know, hopefully it's kind of like you use kind of the the, the school, school system where, you know, 70% is passing. So like if I were an umpire and I got a 70% of my calls were correct, I'd be pretty happy with that because, you know, you're pretty, you're pretty accurate with all that kind of stuff. Um, and so balls and strikes, of course, are very hard to, uh, but at, at, at the same time, like if someone was missing 30% of balls and calling them strikes, I still feel like they, the, the standard needs to be pretty high for these guys. I think the standard needs to be to a point where, um, you know, I mean, asking for perfection is not fair to anybody no exactly but, like the idea is that if we had a, a good way to kind of combine robot umpiring with uh also a real guy standing there we could get to 95 99 percent like it feels like it's very realistic and and that's it, no, really, it is very realistic yeah and that's really yeah. i think what it would help the fan experience if the calls were more precise no exactly and, and i see that too and, and i think also when you look at the plays like the fletcher play that we talked about even the um the play uh, a couple nights ago at dodger stadium those are the kind of plays where that needs to be kind of reviewed more in depthly. The Fletcher thing, I just don't understand at all because, like you said, if whatever the call is on the field, that's usually going to reign supreme and it's going to have a good majority of what the final out call will be. Yeah. If it's clear evidence that it is the wrong call, they'll reverse it. But when you look at that play, that Fletcher and the pitcher, when they touch the bag at the same time, both cleats, and the call on the field is safe, I really can't see how they go and reverse that because it's such a hard play to read that whatever the call in the field is, is usually what's going to happen when it stands. So that I see as it being a very, that that's awful. I, I don't know what, what to say about that. I mean, that's just awful. And then of course, with the whole Giants and the Dodgers thing, um, that one, of course, too, I think needs to be a little bit more of a, you know, late, I, th- I think basketball does late game reviews, where I think in, in baseball, you should be able to do like ninth inning, like reviews on a lot of things. Because- yeah, I, I think, I think certain plays in basketball, it's like a final two minutes type deal where like, if it's a close play, final two minutes, they review it like a, yeah. a, a charger block call, they review it yeah. out of bounds play, they review it final two minutes. I don't know if it's fair to do that just in like the ninth inning or the eighth or ninth inning of the mm-hmm, MLB mm-hmm. game. I'm not sure what the solution is there. You know, I'm not, you know, we don't, we don't have the answers for no, everything. Exactly, Travis, exactly. But essentially like reviewing a ball, reviewing a check swing, like, uh, or just a ball and strike in general late in the game has such a huge impact and it just needs to be correctable. If the, yeah. up, if the up makes the wrong call, if the first base up looks and says, Oh, I think he swung, but it's not really sure. Why are we going to put the game all on that guy making that one call? So. Exactly. And I was watching actually yesterday, I was watching uh, Red Sox Yankees and there was a, I don't know who the Reds, I think it was a guy on the Red Sox that was batting and he basically had a check swing and I don't know if he actually went across, but the home plate umpire 
was like, no, no, you went, you out, strike three, you're out. And he's like, can I get help from first base? And the home plate umpire is like, no, 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 right. I, I make the call. And I, I'm, I always wonder, like, why wouldn't you just go to first base for the appeal? Because I guarantee the first base guy is going to say, no, that's safe. But or like, yeah, it, the, the better view, at least. Exactly, exactly. And I hate when that whole that whole thing happens. Like, the home plate umpire has the authority over all umpires. And he's like, nope, 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 I made the call. Like, that's the call in the field. Um, I, at least I will say we have gotten, we've got progressively better with these things. I mean, we never had instant replay like, what, 10, 15 years ago. And right. um, as Angel fans, we've got some pretty nightmarish moments uh, watching instant replay and, and umpires screwing up our chances in the playoffs. 2005 yeah. comes to example. Yeah. Um, there was a play in 2009 uh, when we were playing the Yankees, too, where um, I forget who the players were, but it was, I think it was either Jeff Mathis or Mike Napoli, who was the runner, uh, or was the catcher. And he was running back a guy to third base. And there was a guy coming from second base and both guys were like off the third base bag by like two feet. And so he went and like tagged one and then he tagged the other one with the ball. And then when he tagged the other guy with the ball, the, other, the, the base runner tried to slip his foot in like, oh no, I'm actually on the base. And the umpire was like, oh no, you're out, but you're safe. And it was just like, it was just the weirdest yeah, call. And it's like, it's like, didn't he tag both? Yeah, yeah. And you see Sosha come out just fired up and all that stuff. But that was like, yeah, what, 10 years ago. Um, but yeah, it it is discouraging just because with baseball, of course, you are going to making the most, you're making the most calls, I think, in any sport because you're literally making a ball on a strike call, you know, 300 times during, right. a, during a ball game. And right. then, of course, plays on the field, all that kind of stuff. You have to be judging of all that kind of stuff. But no, I, I just wish there was a little bit more help. Maybe there's some sort of like Bluetooth way that we can get umpires to have right. help umpires that are up in computer rooms and overlooking instant replay on the field. Maybe even add three more umpires up and do a like an instant replay room in this in the stadium somewhere. And, and give the home pit up a smartwatch and just buzz him like, you know, if, if it was a... Yeah, give, maybe, give him a Houston Astros uh, maybe, little buzz, yeah. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe... You know, maybe taking the step to like straight up robot umpire, robot umpiring is like too big of a step to start with. Maybe for our first year, just try this out and just give the ump a watch and just buzz it every time he gets a ball strike call wrong, just so he can kind of have that in his mind throughout the at bat, throughout the inning, throughout the game of like, okay, I keep missing these calls low, and so when this player tells me, "Hey, that was low," I can know he's actually right versus just like bsing me. So, um, I think that there are steps that could be taken. And Travis, I guess, kind of adding on to this like tech this tech side of things it's very interesting i see on twitter there's like this whole movement against like i guess kind of showing how bad the umpires have been like there's this whole umpire report card thing you see on twitter all the time and it'll show you based on the math of like run expectancy in certain situations like how many runs did these calls swing and like the other night travis uh, as the game i was talking about the friday night game it was a five to four twins victory and it was a one point something run favor of twins mm. so the umpire according to the site literally gave the twins an extra run and it was a one run game mm. so that just kind of tells you like okay like this ump completely screwed up and then also there's also another twitter account that i always see called like welcome to the umpire show and they just show like the funniest calls and the umps kind of act like cocky about it like you know yeah. sit, sit down you got struck out it's like yeah. okay dude that was a ball can you please just have someone like Bluetooth you in the air and say, "Hey, buddy, you got that one wrong." Just so the up knows to like yeah. uh, make the corrections. Yeah, going or, forward. Or, or even if every you know half inning they go back and they they can talk to someone on Bluetooth and they can say, you know, how was that half inning or how was that inning? And it's like, okay, you you were uh, correct forty five percent of the time, and it's kind of like, oh, geez, like you know, yeah. you're missing these calls on this because you know some umpires actually are missing the calls on the left hand. You know, sometimes when it's a righty up, they'll miss the call 
when it's in the opposite box or something like that where it's, yeah. and they're consistent about it but of course being consistent about certain calls i do like because that at least knows okay that's the zone this is what the umpire is is, is going to be calling all day long um but yeah no maybe if maybe the happening is something you implement something you you put in there um but yeah it, it kind of it would make sense to have this little almost like metal box behind home plate behind the catcher it just was gave a gave a red light for strike and gave a green light for ball or something like that right. like, okay like i that, i know what to do and all yeah, stuff but that seems pretty futuristic but it, it does it does but. I, I think there are solutions in the middle somewhere just, just to kind of briefly give an idea like i've thought about this before of giving every batter i don't know how you do it if you do it for every batter every plate appearance or maybe like once every half inning essentially you give the team one challenge mm-hmm. and it would just be like super quick like five seconds like you just have the ump have a Bluetooth or, yeah. or a smartwatch, and the the player just says, okay, it's a 1-1 pitch. It gets called a strike. He takes it as a ball, and it's a pretty big pitch for the at-bat. And he says, okay, challenge. Ump touches his ear on the earpiece and says, oh, upstairs they're saying ball. So yeah. then it just gets immediately yeah. changed to a ball. That could be implemented, I think, as soon as next season in, in theory. Mm-hmm. And it would, I think, fix a lot of issues, and it wouldn't add much time to the game at all. So No, no, exactly. And, that, and that's the big thing is – take they, they they don't want of course make these games longer if you're it, it's not going to be like a, a traditional challenge where a guy comes behind home plate you know gives them all a set and that's going to be like okay it's a ball or a strike no 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 it, those would be a lot simpler those are those replays that we see are the ones of course that need time to be looked at yeah. you know calls at the plate you know calls on base um that of course i i do i do like but i yeah you're right even with that kind of stuff behind home plate it could just be easily fixed easily done um but yeah, we'll we'll have to see what happens. And honestly, I mean, I, I just feel like some umpires just I feel like there needs to be some sort of system too where, you know, some umpires, I mean like Angel Hernandez, you know, it's you almost look at like how how do you still have a job? Like how, yeah. how come your grading scale is so bad every season? And you must they must do reviews. They must do yearly reviews with the right. whole entire umpiring, yeah. you know team and, and and union and so they're probably looking at that and it's like okay who who calls the best games okay these guys right here and then you know you have other guys it, it's funny i was watching last sunday and it was um angels mariners and joe west dude's been around for 40 plus years yeah. and he was behind home plate and he was just calling an awful game yeah and i'm kind of just like i don't know if i really want a 70 year old calling the game yeah it's like your eyesight is definitely not as 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 good as a 35 year old's you know yeah it's like almost like experience is is definitely a a factor positively in some ways but i guess to a point where it's like okay like i think it's time to pass the torch and give it to someone who is i guess gonna have like the reactions and the uh, exactly the 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 quick thinking exactly exactly and and seeing that i was just kind of like geez because they're they're going over you know this is last season you know he actually was umpiring the 1980 something world series and i'm just like geez man like that's that's crazy i I think think. gooby was playing on the royals back then when they won he's like yeah he was actually one of his first years when he when i was doing that it's like Man, but I mean, yeah, there are some things I think they really need to figure out. And I think it honestly is very easy to get all figured out. I mean, you can train these guys as much as you want. And there are a lot of, there are actually some umpires out there that actually have really good, um, you know, strike to ball ratio calls when it comes to making the correct call. Um, and historically, these, some of these guys are that way. But yeah, you wonder if it's some sort of like coaching mechanism or something. Because I mean, you think about all these umpires, they had to go through you know, umpiring high school, umpiring college, umpiring minors, and then they work their way up kind of like a major leaguer. And yeah, seeing them like this, it's it's a little bit kind of, you know, yeah. confusing. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, like I said, we don't really have the answers. 
but um, hoping hoping that things get better in the rest of the season and and going forward, we have the technology to make it better. So hoping we see those changes be made. But I think that kind of wraps that up, Travis. And I think we can transition to some brief recap of I guess some deadline things that have happened b- yeah. before we get into like I guess the future of the trade deadline. So yeah. uh, the biggest move that's happened thus far is definitely Nelson Cruz being traded from the Twins over to the Tampa Bay Rays. It's a classic example of a team that is sort of punting on the season, like the Twins yep. saying, okay, yep. we thought we'd have a better chance going into this year, and we clearly are, don't have a shot at the division. We probably have zero shot at the wild card as it stands. <laughs> exactly. So yep. uh, they're looking to get some return for some of these expiring contracts. Nelson Cruz uh, is 41. It's crazy he's being as productive as he is as a 41-year-old. 41 and still hit a home run in his first A-B as a ray against uh, the Cleveland Indians, which so. is crazy to admit. Yeah, it, it's 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 really hard to wrap your head around a guy with so much power as well as still good contact as a forty-one year old, just seeing the ball very well still for his age. But yeah, uh, essentially he was an expiring contract, and he's also already you know how many years does this guy have left? So it makes sense for the Twins to want to deal him and get some uh, young pitching in return. I believe they got some young pitching. But uh, the Rays are in a position where they want to win now. Yeah, the glass now injury kind of puts their uh, I guess like their playoff potential as uh, it kind of weakens it a bit, so they wanted to really uh, support their lineup with some better bats. Yeah, it seems like last season, Travis, last postseason, I should say, the pitching did its job a lot of the time. They have a, a very good bullpen. Mm-hmm. The lineup kind of came up short a few times outside of Randy Rosarena. The team batting was not very good at all, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I do believe I saw a, a stat about one of their weaknesses as a lineup this year has been against left-handed pitching. And Nelson Cruz just, is a right-handed slugger that will just he his numbers against lefties is consistently unreal. Yeah, it's so, historically unreal. So just adding him as the DH in the three-four spot every game is going to do a lot for them. Uh, I think it's a great pickup. I think you would agree it's a great pickup. It is. And then also the Rays, uh, in their classic way of like always moving around, always trying to be fresh and change things up. They traded Rich Hill, a pitcher who's had a pretty solid year for what you'd expect for his age. Trade him to the Mets, and the Mets do need uh, pitching because Degrom has been a bit shaky with injury, and overall the Mets have had injury troubles and some uncertainty, like they're kind of four yeah. or five spot of their pitching uh, mm-hmm. rotation. So it makes a lot of sense for them to pursue an arm like Rich Hill. Uh, funny that like both these like forty year old guys are like the first guys to be in this kind of trade uh, part of the, of the trade deadline. But That's, I didn't think about that. That's good thinking. Yeah. But yeah, essentially, my little theory about the whole Rich Hill thing that I saw was, I guess his spin, spin rate. Uh, was really dropping since like the crackdown on the sticky substance stuff. So my guess is that the Rays maybe thought his numbers might drop a bit and wanted to sell him while his value was high versus like maybe in a month, maybe you know at, by the deadline he has one more start and get blown up. So I guess they just kind of thought let's uh you know let's kind of save some money and, and and deal this guy away. The Rays are very smart. I'm, I'm sure that they had a reason to make that move even though they're losing a, a, a solid starting pitcher. But Trevor, so what do you make of the Cruz and the Hill trades? Where do you see the Rays as a result of the, this this week of baseball for them? Yeah, actually, you know, it's surprising that the Rays are making the deals. I, you know, historically in the past, you you know, you don't really see the Rays as too much as buyers in the um, trade deadline. I feel like they always run with the team they have. They're probably sellers because they do, of course, always bring up really good prospects and yeah. they have really good trade pieces. And so you always see the Rays as a team that's always high in the trade market because they don't have a lot of money for free agents, so they like to do a lot of their trades. Um, to get to acquire, of course, new players. But yeah, Nelson Cruz was awesome. You know, that is a great veteran player for a young team that they have. I think it's going to be a great move for that, especially for DHing for them. Um, and then also Rich Hill. Uh, yeah, I mean, really impressive season. So it was kind of like, you know, 
I didn't know too much about why they would want to trade him because I would think, you know, you're losing glass, you lost glass now. And then if you're losing Hill, you know, now you have a lot younger, a lot of younger guys. Who's left, yeah. I know you got guys like Kittredge and a couple other guys. um, But, you know, the pair at that bullpen, the thing is with the Rays, they can have all their starters go three innings, I feel like, and they could hand it to the bullpen and it would just be shut down, locked down for the next six innings. And yeah. So I see that. And also with Nick Anderson coming back, I think he's going to be coming back actually late August possibly. Okay. And so he'll be back hopefully for the, to get kind of freshened up in September. And then, you know, by October he can be ready to go. But uh, yeah, the thing about the race, Travis, the one thing I'm just not concerned about is their pitching. Yeah. They could no. trade away three starters and be like, they'll probably figure something out because yeah. that's the kind of team they are. Like you mentioned for them, it's never been about signing the big guys. Yeah. They will develop, develop, develop. They'll develop very good, uh, you know, ball players that can play above like their their potential, uh, in the in the pitching and the hitting side, and then they will make the big trade if needed. Um, I I remember that there were some rumors uh, in the off season of could Nelson Cruz get signed by the Rays, and everyone's like, are they actually going to go for like a big signing? Are the Rays actually going to finally start spending money? Of course, no, that does not happen. Yeah, and they just trade for him anyway, so they exactly they are going to have to pay him less, and they still get him for the postseason, which is really what matters. So exactly, and interesting. Being, and being that kind of that big bat. That's great for them to have. Um, right now, looking at the standings, they are tied up with Boston for the division. So, you know, Rays could still be that team that just kind of is sticking around, and then they're just kind of kind of get hot right now, and then just take off for the division. Um, sitting at sitting at sixty wins, uh, second in baseball when it comes to wins. So, uh, yeah, it, it, consistently a team that gets counted out. And I'm not sure when we're going to learn our lesson, Travis. But <laughs> you know, the team deals. Or they let Morton walk. They deal Snell for for prospects, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And their win total is right on track where it's expected to be. Really, it, I, I it, mean, you look. I look back at the MLB preseason, uh, you know, standings, and I think a lot of them had a raise in fourth place because they said Morton's gone, Snell's gone. You really can't repeat with you know Randy Rosenate Reyna with the playoffs. You know yeah. he'll be he'll be he'll be a good player, but he's not going to be the superstar that we saw in the postseason. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean they they just continue to just prove everyone wrong. They trade Willie Adamas earlier in the year, and he's been great for the Brewers. And he has. He's actually been a very good player for the for but, the Milwaukee Brewers. But the Rays right said next man up. They bring up their young guys. They have uh, Bruhan as well as of course Wander Wander Franco. Uh, yes. They're you know, full-time stars, it seems like, right now. Uh, and then combine that with the fact that, you know, it's just a next-man-up mindset where Joey Wendell has become, like, an all-star. Yeah. Whereas, I, Travis, I kind of imagined myself the other day, imagine if they got, like, this version of Joey Wendell and then, you know, if they had these young guys last uh, postseason when they really needed the, the, oh. bat, the batting help in the World Series, it could have changed everything. It could have. It could have. But, um, yeah, the, the, way, the way that the Rays continuously kind of keep the right guys around and people break out at the right times it feels like they really know what they're doing so Travis I think uh we know what the Rays are doing and they may continue but let's let's talk about some of the other teams in baseball that are going to be buying and selling and then some question marks as well so why don't you open that up for us and so usually you know when I look at the buyers I'm looking of course at the at the first place teams you know all of them are probably on the buyers list because they have really good shots at making the playoffs right now so far they made it this far and they're still at the top of the division so uh, those teams, of course, are you can always look in the standings, and they're going to be those teams. And then, of course, the sellers, those teams that are dead last, Colorado D-backs, they ring a lot of bells when it comes to that. You know, these are the squads that have good talent but are nowhere close to making the playoffs, and so you might as well just get some of these players out of there, yeah. get fresh talent, all that stuff. But there are some teams that actually I question mark, and I wanted to ask you, Alex, 
what the idea, what you think, if they're going to be buyers, are they going to be sellers? Are they going to be both like the race or are they going to be neither? Are they just going to stick and just have to say, this is the squad we're rolling with. So of course the first team I did want to highlight was the race. You know, were they going to be buyers or sellers? We've actually seen now that they're both. They're yeah. And they're selling. That's a good point. Yeah. So it's a good thing that that's, that's been answered already. But I wanted to ask you um, also in the, um, you know, I think that also the Blue Jays are a team that are will be buyers. I think they need to be buyers. They have a really good team. I don't think yeah. they're going to punt on the season at all. But a team that's actually ahead of them in the standings, the Yankees, I don't know yet if they're going to be buyers or sellers. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, so the Yankees are a really tough team to analyze right now because, first of all, on the season, they're obviously underperforming. Everyone thought they'd be the AL East runaway. They thought, that, honestly, I think preseason, if you went to Vegas – uh, and looked at like the American League odds to make the World Series. It was the Yankees, and then a huge gap. I did that, which yeah. which no longer seems like it's <laughs> going to be the case. Yeah. Um. But Travis, I think that the Yankees are still in a prime spot to make the wild card run. And at that point, when you're in the wild card uh, game, and when you're in like an ALDS scenario, and you have Garrett Cole, and you have you know if Judge and Stanton are healthy, if Lemayhew can kind of get on track, you can really beat anyone in the American League. I have no doubts about that. So. In my opinion, I do think the Yankees should be uh, buying. Um, I'm not sure what you would, you know, if your mindset's going to be sell, sell for what? Like, you're going to rebuild the whole mm-hmm. thing? No. Like, you're paying Stanton so much money. You're paying LeMahieu so much money. Judge is going to be a free agent in a couple seasons, I believe. Cole, you're owed, you're owed so much money. What do you, if you're going to sell for what? You're going to be stuck paying these guys forever. You're not going to be able to rebuild. Uh, so, unless you sell these huge guys, which who's going to take that Cole contract? Who's going to take that LeMahieu contract? Probably no one. Same for Stanton. So, I really don't know why they would do anything except for buy. If they wanted to just kind of, you know, if they don't have room to buy or they don't have the pockets, which would be very unlike the Yankees, but I mean, maybe they could just try to write it out with who they got and hope everyone gets healthy. But I don't know why they would try to add an outfielder. I think adding a nice lefty bat would help. A Gallo type maybe makes a lot of sense if they wanted to do that. Um, I could see them adding an outfielder or maybe a starting pitcher. I saw some Scherzer, uh, you know, just it's all, it's all rumors so far. Yeah. But if Scherzer were to go to a team like the Yankees, it could just it, it, they could almost take like a Brewers like approach where their their bats are not really doing what they need to do. Mm-hmm. But if you have Cole and Scherzer in a series, you get you know one of those guys can go you know game with one and two, then they can double team game five or something like that. You could probably be any team. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it, 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 coming down to it, I don't know how selling helps them in the long term because. Even if they were to sell, like, you know, a Gleyber Torres and get a prospect back, it's like, okay, but what do you, but how does that help you in the next few years? It really doesn't because you have to pay mm-hmm. these guys so much money. Their window is now in the next few years before Cole, LeMahieu, and Stanton get too old. They're going to be paying those guys for a while still. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. see buying as the necessary move for them. And Travis, some some Yankee fans are acting like it's the end of the world the way their season's going. But honestly, they're still like I think five games over five hundred. They're still solidly in the wild card race. I think they're like four games back or something like that. Yeah, it may have changed today after the results, but uh, I don't see the Yankees as like you know down and out of it. Um, where are you at with them? I guess. Yeah, you know it was funny because you know looking at the series they just had with the Red Sox, they they got beat on Friday Friday night, and then. Yesterday during the day, they actually were down 3 nothing to the Red Sox. Came back, had a four-run eighth inning. A really good comeback. Ninth inning, Chapman was a little bit shaky. And it's kind of it's funny. You look at his numbers. I saw a stat line. They looked at his numbers before um, June 6th. Before yeah. June 6th, he had about 23 innings pitched and one earned run. 
And well, the only one run was a home run. He was having batting opponents' batting averages against him were was lower than one hundred. So wow. he was just, I mean, dicing people up. After that, he's been an absolute disaster. He yeah. has been crumbling. And even yesterday in the uh, ninth inning, Red Sox actually mounted a little bit of a comeback. They got uh, Renfro to walk with two outs, and then um, Christian Vasquez came up, ground rule double, and now he had runners at second and third with Kike up to get a single to win the ball game, and, and that would have just been almost like a crumbling loss for the Yankees. Um, today, they had a no-hitter from Domingo Herman through seven. They give it to the bullpen in the eighth. Red Sox score. Red Sox score five. They win five four. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, I think the pitching side is definitely the big thing with the Yankees. I think you look at also, you know, guys like Scherzer. You look at guys like Kimbrel being, I think, big targets for them because they, I think they really do need bullpen help right now because of everything that's happening right now with all these blown games. We look at back a couple weeks ago to the Astros series. It was disappointing to see all that kind of stuff. So. Um, I wanted to, of course, highlight the Yankees because they're never sellers. They're always buyers. But right. They it, have the pockets to do it so. Just didn't, I didn't know if this season they were saying, you know what, injuries, they just beat us. But when you when you sign Garrett Cole to all that money, you can never be sellers, I feel like. I feel like you have to be like, no, 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 no. We are committed to winning for the next decade. We cannot we cannot punt on some of these players. Yeah. But uh, there are people like Miguel Andujar and, of course, Labor Torres that are— They would have value. They're questionable. And yeah. also Clint Frazier. Um, for that as well. So a, a, a quick little thing on the Yankees. I just saw this on Twitter just now. Um, a kind of stat that might make you raise your eyebrows. So Judge uh, currently is a five twenty six slugging. It's like pretty. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's very. It's very good. Uh, a slugging percentage for the season, and he's currently in the IL. So counting him out as an IL guy, looking at who else is leading the Yankees this year in slugging. So these are the these are the the five best slugging percentages on the Yankees besides Judge being on the IL. Uh, only including players who qualify for the batting title. So you have to be actually like a regular player. Okay. And so the lead, the leader is Gary Sanchez at a 470 slugging. And then you're looking at Rugnado Dor as a 462 slugging. And then Stanton's at 460. And then Urshela's at 441. So you have these four players that are above 400. And then it takes a huge jump down to LeMahieu at 360. So their fifth best slugging in the team is 360 by LeMahieu, which is just like, it yeah. kind of shows that like this Yankees, these Bronx Bombers that like last year and years prior had so much power and like that was their real threat. It's not been there this year. And I could really see that turning around for them or at the same time, I could see them trying to pursue a guy like Gallo, get a lefty bat in the middle of the order, uh, a good defender to help you out. You could play him in center if you needed to. Um, I think Garner maybe not doing the trick anymore. Yeah. So have a guy like Gallo, a lefty bat, a slugger to add some power to the middle of the order, which is what they're really missing, it seems like. Add some defense as well to the outfield. So um, I do think the Yankees need to add, and I guess we can probably move on uh, to the next team, Travis. Yeah, and we'll move kind of by division. So I want to cover, of course, the AL Central, because there are some teams that are um, that are interesting. You know, of course, the Royals and the Twins, you know, they're sellers. They're not, they're not yeah. going to be guys that are going to be buying. Uh, and, 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 and they have pieces that they could definitely they do. deal. They so do. looking I, at the Twins, Barrios is in a lot of rumors because I think he has uh, this rest of the season as well as next season on contract. Yeah, yeah. we but already saw Cruz. If they don't think that they're going to be competitive next season, then why not deal him, get some good uh, pieces in return to pair with Buxton? I saw some rumors about Buxton being traded. Me too. too. I was going to bring that up too. I don't I know. Heard Buxton and that would be... I don't get the logic no. there. You'd have to get a crazy haul in return. You would have to. You know, I fall, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure when he's going to be a free agent. So maybe if it's in a couple years, maybe there's a question there. But And I saw a funny joke because I think right now some of the worst war guys in baseball are... Clint Frazier and Miguel Andujar for the Yankees. And I saw this tweet and it said, 
Buxton and Barrios for Andrew Hart and Frazier. Oh, yeah, that's and so they said, funny. And they said, maybe the Yankees will consider it. Like, that, like it, it was just like, it's you just, have to be stupid. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's just a funny little thing I saw, and I was, I was laughing. But, yeah. That's I, classic. I, I saw Buxton, and I was just like, that makes no sense. He's young. He's cheap right now. The, the, he's the, also hurt, which it, is like... And the thing about the Central is, yes, the White Sox are very good, but after that, you don't really see Detroit or Kansas City or Cleveland, I feel like, making just, like, huge strides in the next three years or something like that. I feel like the Twins still have a good roster. Yeah. And so they were a 100-win team in 2019. And so it's kind of just like yeah. 2020. In, in two years, you can you can build this stuff back up in two years and be a wildcard team again. Exactly. For sure. So exactly. it's just going to come down to making the smart deal to the deadline. A guy like Barrios would be a good guy to deal, get a couple of prospects in return, fill in the gaps of your roster. Exactly. Um, they also have some bullpen arms that have been really impressive. A guy like uh, Taylor Rogers has had a good year. Mm-hmm. You could send him to any team that needs a lefty, a lefty reliever. And it's a lot uh, of teams. Angels. Of teams. Angels. Hello. How about a nice little trade for Barrios and Taylor Rogers, I take that but. after uh, after letting Claudio go uh, this morning, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So like, there's tons of teams who could use a good starting pitcher as well as some bullpen pieces, which is what the uh, the Twins have. You also mentioned the uh, the Kansas City Royals. I know that Travis actually someone that went to our elementary school. Um, I know that. I've heard his name float around in trade in trade oh, rumors. Yeah, Josh Stamon. Stamon. Yeah. I've seen his name all over twitter for like i guess a trade piece because he's had, throwing right he's had a very good year and yeah. he could be viable in the bullpen for a lot of teams yeah. i'm not sure if he's going to be a free agent i'm not sure why i see his name on twitter all the time in, in, in rumors but uh he's a guy that a lot of teams could try to uh, ring the doorbell about because the obviously the kansas city royals are out of it at this point and i see the royals because they have carlos santana they have uh merrifield they even have uh, mondesi and a couple other guys maybe even solaire um, maybe even Benetton too. I see a lot of guys that I feel like they have a lot of veteran pieces that could easily be traded to another contending team. And, you know, all those guys bring a special kind of talent. You know, Carlos Santana is a great on-base guy. Uh, Soler is a huge home run guy. Benetton kind of a good all-around player, plays good defense, um, is just a solid bat. And he actually was kind of reborn this season. Um, and then you also look at, I don't know if they're willing to move uh, Salvador Perez, but of course he's a big option. Because yeah. he's probably possibly one of the best catchers in the game right now. And I know a lot of teams would definitely, like the Yankees, not getting Gary Sanchez support, that could be a huge move. I have not heard that at all happen with uh, Kansas City willing to shop Salvador. But it but is they're a, a team. For them. It's a, you're right. It's a team that should be looking to make something happen. Uh, they need something to happen or else they're just going to let the season waste, I guess. Exactly. So two teams I had on my radar, and it's kind of interesting because I had the Indians and I had the Tigers as buyers or sellers because... The Tigers are one of the hottest teams in baseball right now. We just saw a couple yeah. days ago they won seven straight. They are kind of making things interesting. I'm not going to say they are definitely in it because they're three and a half back from the Angels in the wild card. So they're nine games back in the wild card. That's a, that's really tricky to do, especially with the AL Central not being a strong division. So yeah. I have them up there. I think they're just going to stay neutral. They probably don't want to get anyone and they don't want to shop anyone because they are a young team. I could see Boyd maybe being a part of a trade or maybe mm-hmm. even Soto, the, the closer out of the bullpen because he's had such a good season. But the, those two make sense. I, I agree with what you're saying, Travis, because, you know, as hot as they may be, I really cannot even give them any credit to like be a wild card threat. Yeah. It, it's almost <laughs> it's almost like the Marlins last year where like no one saw that coming out of them. But in reality, that was a 60-game season. So, like, the fact that the Marlins made the playoffs last year, it's almost like if Detroit did that this year, it'd be, like, the same thing as last year, but, like, 162. There's no way Detroit, I think, could squeeze in. You know, for their fans' sake, I hope that they continue to be exciting and stay hot, but 
they could stay out for the rest of the year. And I still, I still yeah. don't really see them making that push all the way above a guy like above a teams like the A's and the Rays and the Red Sox. Yeah. I don't see how they could climb those kind of teams. So I guess I have, I have them as I would say they should be sellers for a, sm- a small piece. Mm-hmm. Don't sell your young prospects because obviously they have. I mean, I guess I'll just say that the. Detroit Tigers have a bright future yeah. with uh, a lot of the uh, youngsters Casey they have. Mize, a couple of those guys out there. Yeah, now. young pitchers as well as um, I believe Torkelson is, yeah. is, is is might be their number one prospect or at least one of the top yeah. five prospects. Turnbull's already thrown a no hitter this year, so I mean they, they have, have a nice nice. I think Scooball. I don't know how to say his name. They but, have a lot of guys with some weird names. Yeah, but but any, <laughs> anyways, like they have the young talent to be very scary in two three years. Uh, so it'd be a good time to sell an all star. Like a you know, or like a borderline all star, like a Matt Boyd type, mm-hmm. or like you mm-hmm. said, Desoto, the reliever, sell one of these guys and try double to double A talent. Guys will be ready in two years, three years. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Indians, because like you said, they're one of the they're one of the most they're one of the poorest you know franchises in the game right now. As we saw this last um, off season, they only had about thirty million dollars Ref- for the entire team. Refused to pay their pan- their franchise player. Yeah, and they're still sticking in it. I mean, they're still in the race right now. They're actually a half a game up above the Angels. They're six games back. The Angels are six and a half. I think we can definitely agree. It definitely feels like the Angels have a better push than the Cleveland Indians because Cleveland really only relies on the pitching. And the bullpen. They have really good pitching and they have a really good bullpen. And then there's a guy named Jose Ramirez that's like exactly. their spark. Exactly. And so that was my big question for you. With the Indians, I mean, there are teams that would be lining up for a Jose Ramirez and they could get a good return for that. So with that, I mean, do you see as the Indians being buyers or sellers? Um, So it's definitely tough. And I think based on the way that they've approached where they're currently at, I think that they would need to be sellers. And that is because you've already let Lindor, you traded Lindor. Essentially, essentially you're going to let him walk. So I said, let's get something for him. They traded Lindor for a small uh, little package from the Mets. And they also uh, let Carrasco go in that deal as well. That's right. And also let Brad Hand go. Exactly. You're letting go a lot of your good contributors the last couple seasons. Um, And I don't get how you could let them walk or trade them away, and then at the same time, in that same year, try to add at the deadline to make a push. It's like, okay, you're going to get kind of stuck in the middle because I don't see them being a threat to win at all. So I guess it's kind of about what's the goal for them. If they want to just be a wildcard team forever, then maybe they could make a push. But yeah. if you want to like either commit to a rebuild or commit to going all in, it seems like they're already going down that rebuild path, letting Lindor go, letting Han go, Carrasco so I don't know why they would keep Ramirez around, who I know. I believe after next season, he will have the player option to stick around again or to walk. And if the team is a mid-rebuild, I'm sure he would just walk anyways. I, I think he wants money, too. <laughs> yeah, you're a guy who's an MVP top five vote-getter, like, yeah. I think, for the last five years. Yeah. Why are you sticking around for, like, making, you know, a, a, a much smaller amount than other guys at his position? So um, I agree that Ramirez would be a great piece for them to try to deal Um also, maybe a couple of bullpen arms if they're going to be in expiring deals. But I think a, t- a team like, um, I mean, th- I mean, there's so many options where, where, where a guy like Ramirez could end up. Yeah. Any team could take him, and he could be your third baseman, which is probably preferred. He could also be your second baseman. He could honestly be a shortstop if you really, really needed it. Um, probably not optimal, but, yeah. you know, it, it's the kind of guy who you can just add to a team, and he will raise your floor. He will raise your ceiling. He's going to do so much for your team offensively on the base paths he's just such a good player he's really a superstar and doesn't get enough credit um seeing him on a on a 
on, I guess, like a team that's like in the wild card race, it could make them a contender to win it all for sure. I don't know what kind of team is willing to go all in this year, but maybe some team that needs that batting help, maybe like a Brewers, maybe. I know that at the hot corner, they have not been amazing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be looking to add. Uh, we were talking about them with Story a while ago, but yeah. I mean, tons of teams could use a great third baseman. Uh, you know, I'm not sure who's willing to, willing to fork over, you know, uh, it's going to be a big package, I would say, yeah. because you're getting, if you're a contender, you're getting him for the rest of the season and also next season. So um, I'm not sure where I can see him ending up. I do think they need to sell because they've already kind of gone on that path. And I don't want them to be stuck in the middle. I think that's a really bad spot for our franchise to be. Yeah, and I totally agree with that with them. The, the Central's kind of a one, yeah, one dog's in the race. It's the White Sox. They have, you know, top rotation, top offense. No one's going to catch them for the division. And then, of course, these teams, I don't really see them being strong contenders for the wild card either because of the division, how kind of like, you know, weak it is. But, you know. And they're not yeah. going to assign anyone big in the offseason. They've, yeah. they've shown they're not going to be spenders. So they're going to have to develop guys. And I'm sure they're going to be able to do that. Yeah. Guys like Karen Chak, they got young talent um, that is going to be promising. Obviously, Bieber, I'm not sure how much longer is on his deal. But they have young guys who are going to be very good. But um, it seems like this year and next year is not going to be their year. So I would I would try to give up Ramirez. Yeah. Definitely agree with that. So moving now to the uh, the last the last the last of the American League. It's now the American League West. It's an interesting division because, of course, you have the the, the Texas teams. You have the Rangers who are going to be sellers, and then you have the Astros who are going to be buyers. I mean, mm-hmm. they have a top team. If they could even add another starting pitcher, geez, that would just be a scary team. I mean, you I mean thinking just about Scherzer going and wearing an Astros uniform. That would be that would be very very scary to see. Yeah, I've also heard you know whispers of where a guy like Craig Kimbrough could end up, and if uh, if a team like the Astros wanted like a lot, I mean they already have Presley who's been amazing this year. But if you added a guy like Kimbrough, had like this kind of like beast beast setup closer combo, um, that would just be so huge for the playoffs. Uh, You know, Kimbrough could uh, for some reason I feel like Kimbrough could be like AL West bound. I'm not sure why. I think the Astros are a good suitor, and also the A's, if they sparked fire at the right time, if they kind of realized, okay, like, you know, our bats are always going to kind of figure it out. It's yeah. kind of the way it is, but, like, maybe we want to get another bullpen uh, lockdown guy. Like, Bring back that Hendricks type of guy. Yeah, yeah Kimbrough could take that role um, for sure. Obviously, the Angels would love bullpen help, but I don't know if they'd want to spend all that money on Kimbrough. I don't know what they'd give up for it. Yeah. But either way, um, I do feel like, you know, the Astros are a team that we'll be looking to add. Um Right now, the competition, it seems like it's kind of just, you know, maybe the Red Sox, maybe the Rays, but then the White Sox are like, these are the teams we have to be able to compete with in a big series, and uh, I can see them adding for sure. Yeah, and my big thing, of course, was the A's, the Mariners, and the Angels. You know, I feel like A's do have an approach where they're kind of like the Indians, where they don't have too much, you know, they're not, I don't think they're going to be huge buyers. I don't think they're going to be huge sellers, just, of course, because they're out with the team right now. They have they have a roster that just works, and they have a team yeah. that just works right now. Um, they're going to be probably really strong contenders, of course, for the wild card game. So I don't really see them doing too much. Um, I think they're not in a spot where they're saying, okay, if we get one, we're, we're one more guy away from a championship you know, roster. I don't think that's really the A's. I think they're just more of a good team that will could give some competition to a lot of these you know American League teams yeah. in the playoffs. Mariners, you know, I don't see them being yet. I think they're still a young team that is going to be growing. I know they have guys like Kendall Graven, who's having a great season out of the bullpen, could potentially be a good trade piece if they say, you know what, we want to give 
a little bit away, but we're not totally tanking the season yet. Yeah. But we want to get a little bit of away. Kendall Graven could be that guy. I know also, um, you know, some starting pitchers have been very, very good for them as well. But I don't see them either being too kind of in the trade market uh, dealing guys. Yeah, that's they're in a really tricky spot because Travis almost I almost will say I think they're maybe like five games above five hundred. If they were just yeah, if they were just like five games below five hundred, uh, if they're just doing a little bit worse in the year, not 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 terrible, but just a little bit worse, I think they'd be in a great spot to deal a guy like Graveman to deal some of these I guess high performers on the season and try to get some prospects in return to pair with their great youth. We all exactly. know about how good their great youth is. JP Crawford is uh you know breaking out and you know due to becoming you know, maybe they want him to be an all-star someday yes. uh, obviously kelnick uh has been called up this year mm-hmm. has not been phenomenal but we know he's still young still growing a lot of potential there uh our top prospect for sure and then yeah. guys like uh i know they have a trammel they have a handful of guys they do. Uh, they i think do. i think white uh first baseman yeah and they, julio they, rodriguez i know he's outstanding um Dominican outfielder, and he's going to be probably playing right field for them in the future. So yeah, the, obviously, so, yeah. obviously a very talented young crew. And if I were them, I would be looking just to add guys that are that age mm-hmm. and plug them into our team, fill in these holes, some young pitchers, whatever it may be. But they're in a bad spot because if you are in their current spot, where they're, they're a few games out of the wild card, I don't two see and them, a half games. Yeah. I don't see them staying there. I think if you look at their run differential, they're like at a minus fifty in the year, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. shows that like okay, you guys are a winning team this year, uh, record wise. But in terms of your run production, it's been very shaky. Yeah, I know they have. I think they have the worst batting average in baseball. They did as of like a week ago when the Angels played them. They had the mm-hmm. worst batting average and the worst OPS. So I don't see how they could possibly make the playoffs with those kind of stats. Yeah, that'd yeah, be pretty yeah. crazy. They'd just be pitching. Real- relying heavily i know actually i saw a stat when they played the angels last weekend they have one of the best bullpens in baseball yeah um it's locked in on that's why i could see them say maybe we trade a couple of these guys away it's not going to hurt us we're not saying we're giving up on the season we still want to make the playoffs but maybe we can get and you're like and you're right get some of these guys that are the same age as these kelnicks julio rodriguez um and yeah pair them with yeah, that it, it makes a lot of sense to i mean if you're the Mariners, you don't want to, I guess, diss the fans and punt on the year. But in theory, are you are you going to be World Series contenders this year? No. Are you going to be in two three years? That's what your Very goal. Possible. That's what your yeah. goal is. Yeah. So focus on the goal. Uh, if I were them, I would trade the summer relievers, trade away a starter, maybe get guys that are the right age. And then uh, I know you have. I think you have Giles coming back next year. I hope from injury. Mm-hmm. Not sure mm-hmm. what his timeline looks like, but. Um, Essentially, yeah. If you're the Mariners, I think you gotta be looking uh, in the future, not the present. I would, I would be sellers. Yeah, yeah. And then the last team, of course, our team, uh, Angels, Angels are definitely in a pickle. What they are think, in a pickle. What do you think about them? You know, I see us, and I, I don't want us to go out and get. You know, I don't want us to go out there and say, okay, let's 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 trade. You know, a bulk amount of our prospects or good players for a guy that we might have for you know two months. Right. You know. I don't. I want to. We be, agree I, I want to be conservative and cautious on that end. Whereas the Angels right now, of course, like I said, for the past couple months, if the Angels want to make any any sort of push, they need to acquire a couple of arms. And honestly, bullpen guys are really not that hard to acquire sometimes because you can get three guys from a team and just say, hey, can we can we give you some of these lower end prospects for a couple of these bullpen guys? I think just even fixing up little bits of the bullpen is honestly a great help right there. Um, our rotation actually hasn't been that bad. Actually, I'll bring something up right now because I, I saw a stat line this past um, this past road trip. 
you know, looking back at when we played the Oakland A's and then, of course, now with the Twins, um, this past road trip, our starters have combined for a 2.32 ERA on the entire uh, road trip, uh, an opponent batting average of 162, only six walks, six walks in five games, not counting today's game, and then only one home run allowed, and that's between Otani, Suarez, Heaney, Cobb, and Sanderville, which it looks like those are our five guys right now. Yeah. Those are definitely the five guys. Um, Canning, Bundy, 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 and Quintana are, of course, I don't think going to be a part of the rotation anymore. So I think just fixing the bullpen and fine-tuning that up, we real we could really surprise him because our offense is going to come back. We have the worst, probably about a week ago, we probably had the worst, you know, starting offense, and we're still getting the job done winning ball games. You think about, of course, Trout, Rendon coming back and being healthy for the last two months of the season. Now you got Upton back as well. I I'm I we I think we've only seen five games this year with Trout, Rendon, Upton, Walsh, and Otani all in the same batting yeah. order. Yeah. And then of course now with even Brandon Marsh playing good baseball, being a good hitter for us. Um yeah, I think it just depends on the bullpen, but of course we're in a very sticky situation. Yeah, yeah. What I'll say about the Angels, I completely agree that we should not go all in on a rental for this year. I think that goes without saying. Um it would be very foolish. There's yes. no reason to go all in on 2021 yeah. if you're the Angels. You should be going all in on the next two, three years. Yes. Not the next, you know, two months. Yeah. So um, something I did see that was interesting was I think that there was a scout at one of the recent Angel games. I forget which team, but they were looking at – it might have been a Rockies. I think it was a Rockies, and they were looking at uh, the Angels apparently. Hmm. And people were saying maybe they're looking at Marsh. And uh, I think trading Marsh right now – is a really bad move. Um, Agreed. And I think the main reason for that is I know that his rankings on certain uh, sites like Fangraphs, like Fangraphs have their prospect rankings, I think he was like top 20 recently mm-hmm. on their mm-hmm. list. So his value is shooting up uh, and he's had a great approach at the plate uh, in these last week he's been uh, in, the, in, the, in the MLB. Uh, we've watched it, Travis. Uh, you know, we watch, you know, just about every game and he works full counts all the time. He's very patient. He doesn't have tons of walks yet, but we see him with good discipline at the plate, uh, and he makes good contact. Yes, uh, yes. I think the numbers are going to continue going up, and he plays a confident center field. We haven't been, we haven't been center field over Eaton and Lagaris, who are uh, they're veterans. Yeah. And Marsh is getting the center field spot. They're saying, okay, we trust you. You have great speed. Um, I think he's overall just going to be a really good player. Uh so I would not trade him unless you're really getting like an all-star, like, you know, ace for the next several years in return, which I don't really see us being in the market for that as of right now. So uh, I guess the target for the Angels, if I were running the show, I would just try to get maybe a starting pitcher that's very solid mm-hmm. with control. Mm-hmm. The idea is you don't want to focus on this year. I would get a guy. I know Barrios is a target. You could get, a guy you could target, and he will be on your team for this year and next year. Guy like uh, Herman Marquez, obviously he's famous for how good of a contract he's on. Yeah, there's like, I think three more years of team control for like less than ten thousand, less than ten million a year, and he's yeah. like going to be an all star for you. Um, and then there's obviously plenty of bullpen pieces you could try to target um, from just by any team as you know guys they could try to go after. But I would try to keep Adele and Marsh out of the trade block uh, for this uh, trade deadline. Maybe in the off season, some opportunity presents present itself. Maybe the Indians talk about selling Bieber and you can say, okay, for a guy like Bieber, we'd give up a lot. And maybe that's a, a different talk. But for who's in the market right now, I hope we don't give up anyone big. 
Um, C-Rod and uh, Demers are also two guys that we really like. Demers had a great outing last night uh, in uh, AAA. That's right. I think he had a, a six innings of shutout baseball. Nine strikeouts. Really, yeah. really impressive stuff. And so I think that you know that generation is going to be big for us. This like kind of uh, AAA like guys about to come up. I think it's going to be uh, big for the organization. I don't want to deal any of those top guys. Uh, quite yet maybe in the off season or next season if things aren't going as planned you can think about that but right now i think we should be cautious buyers um we should be get yeah. guys with control uh i hope we don't end up selling travis because like last season for example at the deadline we sold tommy la Stella, uh brian goodwin please don't remind me of that trade that trade deadline and of course uh jason castro and it was miserable because we traded away three players that were like fan favorites. We all like those guys. Franklin Barreto. For what? For Franklin Barreto. I believe we got Packy Naughton for uh, Goodwin, which it, I guess he's, there's promise. He's in the minors still. There's promise there. But it's just like these guys that we gave up, we got so little back. And I don't want to give up any of our like, I don't know who would be on our trade deadline right now. I guess the guys like Cobb or Rizalee Iglesias are like guys that a team like the Dodgers or team that need pitching or bullpen. They might be looking at, but unless we get something very promising in return, I don't know why we would do that because getting a guy like Frank, Franklin Barreto for Tommy Lasella, it, it felt like a gut punch. Like, okay, we give up his fan favorite guy. An all-star. I, I would have let him walk. I'd rather let him walk and just not, yeah. not just not get Barreto. No, just give me, exactly. the, give me the extra two months of Lasella, you know, being an angel. And and, then, and, 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 and and that's better. And you look at the Angels, last series of the year, we were contending yeah. right then and there. And it's kind of just like, oh my God, like maybe this guy would have helped us. Tommy Lestella hit a walk-off home run last year against the uh, Giants. I remember and it was it was sad because it hit the wall and it was over the yellow line and no one's at the stadium and it's it's quiet but they're celebrating a walk-off and it's like yeah okay like what's going on you know you just it was that whole freak stage of last year but no I'm so so with you we're in a we're in a state where I would be cautious I don't think I think the time for moving all of our big prospects all of our top prospects the time is almost over because you have Marsh now in the majors doing really well i really like what like his approach today first two at bats worked full counts you know i don't really see too many rookies working full counts like that having such good plate discipline and bait and plate vision um and he'd be a great left to plug in yes. into our outfield yes. a great defender great yes. base runner so. and then we see of course joe adele in the minors just tearing it up with the long ball i mean guy is having some really freaky power numbers driving the ball line drives opposite way um I'm excited for him, of course, to come back again and, and kind of get, kind of make an, a, a re-debut yeah. for what he had in 2020 because, it was, of course, he knows it was awful. And I think right now, seeing, of course, his buddy Marsh playing in the majors, he wants to be there as well. So I could even honestly see him possibly up maybe even sometime, you know, later in August or something like that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and so, of course, we're kind of like the Mariners when you look at our outfield. It's Marsh, Trout, Adele, in my opinion, for the next, you know, yeah. in, in 2022-23, it's going to be that outfield. And that's it, what I want to see. And Charles, if, if Adele keeps this up, and if... Charles, what if Detmers has two more starts in AAA, just like what he had uh, last night? That, to me, would be like, okay, let's just call you up. He could, and be our give, he could be our trade acquisition, you know? Yeah, it's like, if we just have this young guy, and he's going to come out, and imagine, like, in a wild card race, no one's seen this guy before no. at the big league level. No. So uh, it'd be a really fresh arm for us to... Uh, to try out this year and give him some reps, even if it's just for a you know a failed wild card run, and we just get him reps for next year would be perfect. And I think also what's big is we drafting twenty guys in the first twenty rounds. Yeah. I think yeah. you could see even like Sam Bachman, our first over our first overall pick, 
um, first round pick. I could see guys like that coming into the bullpen being fresh arms that no one's seen ever in their life. And, you know, it's kind of like, oh, my God, who are these guys? I remember I remember going back to, like, I think it was 2014 or 15. I know the Royals had a couple guys out of their bullpen that were draftees of that year. Yeah. And they did outstanding because they were young guys that no one had ever seen. And they just, they were they were great. Yeah. And, and they really did not get the moment. The moment didn't really get to them. I could see that, too, for the Angels. I could see a, a, maybe even, like, two of the 20 saying, we're gonna have them in our in our bullpen the last month of the season or something like yeah, that. Yeah, give them the reps. Yeah. Exactly, and so uh, you know what's it got to hurt? And then of course, like you said, C Rod has already got experience, did great, and so now if he's gonna become a starter, I can't wait to see that. And then of course, Detmer's already starting in AAA. It looks like it really looks like he possibly will be up by late August, even September. Um, I could definitely see that sometime coming up because. Um, Angels, of course, probably want to see how that works out and, you know, get him some stars because I think we all know that they're trying to get, uh, 2022 kind of already settled right now. So, um, I know we spent a lot of time on that, yeah. big Angel fans, of course, but, uh, we'll move now to the NL East because it is a very interesting division. We have four teams that are within seven games of one another. So really, course, really crazy race. It is. It is. And so I kind of wrote down, of course, um, Mets as they're probably going to be, of course, buyers. They got... Hill from the Rays. And so I, I expect them to, of course, me add on if they have some more weaknesses. Um, I expect Miami to really kind of do nothing. They're kind of like, you know, they're they're probably not, if they're going to sell, they're going to sell maybe like um, Jesus Aguilar, you know, older veteran guys that are doing good. But, you know, all their young guys are going to stay there. All their young guys are doing really well. So Miami don't really see doing too much. Um, but then you got Atlanta and you got Philadelphia. And I even added, added the Nationals. Because yeah. the Nationals are seven games out. But they do have a good team. You are going to have Strasburg coming back, I believe, sometime in August. So you will could have a, still a pair of a Scherzer-Strasburg um, rotation. And with Trey Turner and Juan Soto, I feel like almost anything's possible. And you get, of course, Kyle Schwarber back. They still have a good team. So I have them kind of as my, are they buyers or are they sellers? But for you, let's start with um, start with Nationals and just work, of course, your way to Philly and then, of course, Atlanta. Okay, so yeah. Uh I guess looking at the Nationals, like you said, there is a lot of promise. Um, Soto has heated up in a big way. Uh, we all know he's up. It, feel, it feels stupid as his, but it feels like he's already an all-time great. And he's just like, he's just this little, he's this young kid. But his numbers are so impressive that uh, we know he's, what he's capable of in like a wild card race or like a wild card game. Uh, we've seen it before. So anyways, yeah, yeah a guy like him and Trey Turner who continue, continues to break out and get better every year, it seems... There is a lot there. I still would feel like if I'm them, it sucks to punt on the year, but I feel like Scherzer will probably leave mm-hmm. or you're going to be paying him a lot of money, which he already is making a lot of money. And he's old. And yeah, at some point there's going to be a decline. I thought it might be this year. It has not been this year. He's, he's, <laughs> he's been very good. But uh, I do think a guy like Scherzer is a guy you really have to think about moving just because um, he may leave you for nothing. And what are the odds that you... I mean... In 2019, everyone counted you out. So it makes sense to have a chip on your shoulder and to kind of always think you have a shot. But how big is their shot this year, really? If the goal is to win again, I would try to deal Scherzer and get some pieces that are Juan Soto's age, Trey Turner's age. Um, I, I think I think that that makes a lot more sense uh, looking forward. Um, obviously, they're, 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 they're going to be paying Strasburg for a while, but Scherzer is probably a guy that you could get a lot for. Um, Scherzer also has a no trade clause that he says he will only waive if he gets extended. So that means if he gets traded to a Yankees, to a Dodgers, to an Astros, 
whoever, they're going to have to give up quite a bit because you're not only trading him for this year, but going forward in the future. It's almost like the Betts deal. We saw Betts get traded with one year on his deal, but we all knew he was going to stay with the Dodgers long term, yeah. which is what happened. Same for Lindor. It'll be a similar story for Scherzer. He's older, so it's not going to be like a huge 10-year extension, but it'll be another two, three years of control over Scherzer. Yeah. Therefore, I think a team would have to give up several good prospects to the Nationals. I think that makes a lot more sense for them to have a chance to win again. If, you, if, your, goal, if your goal is, I'm the Nationals and I want to win a ring this decade, well, we still have Juan Soto under our control. I think it makes more sense to look forward to like a 2025 versus uh, this season. So I, I would try to deal Scherzer yep. and try to do mm-hmm. something there. Um, moving on to other teams in the division, Atlanta's in a very tricky spot. It's very unfortunate. Acuna's going to be out for the year for them. It makes it, for me, from my mind, they're in a bad spot. I don't think I would try to be buyers. Um, Freeman could very easily walk in this offseason and you know he's been a great player so he's gonna get paid he's actually heated up very recently as well he's been super uh red hot um if Acuna stays out and if DeGrom is also who's injured stays out the wild card race I mean Tatis would be leading but it could really open up for Freeman again honestly if he continues doing what he's doing but uh anyways I think I would try to cautiously possibly sell um I think you're trying to build around Acuna and Albi's generation um, as well as young guys like Freed, Soroka, I would try to deal. Good point. Yeah, I would try to deal a couple guys and maybe try to build it on guys that are more that age group. Um, I'm not sure who would be super viable. Maybe a, a bullpen piece, or maybe I don't know. Maybe like a Morton. Maybe Morton could be viable to someone. But um, I just feel like that they're not really in a in a spot to make a huge push without Acuna and with you know ton, you know without Soroka. Of course, there's tons of tons of injuries and tons of promise for them going forward in the future. So I don't know why I would go. If I were them, I would not go on on this season. Uh, the Phillies are also in a tricky spot. I think you know we both know that Dombrowski is their GM, uh, and he is always very aggressive and he knows how to build a, uh, I guess a, a playoff team. So I can see them adding honestly. Um, try to get guys with control though, because I don't think this year is like their big breakout year. But they want to be really good in the next year or two. So I can see them trying to get guys with control to add to maybe the rotation. Uh, Wheeler, Eflin, and uh, and Nolan, very uh, you know very good. Um, a lot of potential there. Maybe try to add a bat, maybe a, another outfielder. There's 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 lots of options. Um, I also think the Marlins are kind of interesting because uh, Starling Marte is someone I've heard the Yankees maybe are looking at. That's a good yeah. It's a good because uh, a good person to bring up yeah. Because like th- like, like you mentioned, Marlins have tons of youth. And I guess the real interesting thing is Marte, you only see as being part of the long-term picture for them, probably. He's kind of an all-star right now. So you could probably get something good for him from the Yankees. A good part, maybe like, uh, I don't know what he would he'd be worth. Maybe like a Clark Schmidt type. To try to get a good pitch in return uh, could be really good for the Marlins to help them for the future. And uh, yeah, I, I think the NL East, it, like you said, it's super weird right now. The Mets obviously should be looking to add. They're currently in the lead and they want to be competitive with the Dodgers, the Padres, the Giants, and I feel like they're not really there right now. Um, they may need to add another pitcher, and they've had tons of injuries with their batting order. So I do think that they should be looking to add to keep competitive this year because, Travis, one thing I keep noticing is that teams' windows are closing quicker than you would think. The mm-hmm. Twins, Travis, last year, the Twins, is like 2019, Twins were over a 100-win team. Most home runs in history. They were so good. Last year, they were still very competitive. They yeah, were top three. They were, yep. uh, they were swept by the Astros in two close games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if a few things went differently, they could have had a sneaky run there. Yeah. But all of a sudden this year, things are not looking very good at all. 
they still have to pay Donaldson for a while. They're talking about trading guys like Barrios. Uh, Maeda has not been what he was last year. So all of a sudden, like their window, it's almost kind of closed and they should be thinking uh, a few years down the line, right? So if I'm the Mets, I'm trying to think, let's try to win this year because these windows, Definitely. these windows, you know, when you're winning your division, it feels like it might last forever, but that can close quicker than you think. With teams like Philly, teams like the Braves who have youth, um, obviously the Nats, and, and, Nats and, with Soto. And even for me, I think that Marlins are a team that's going to be up there like 2025 the marlins should yeah. have a roster the, the and young team. right the young pitching for sure yeah um yeah that's a great point so i think if you're the mets you really don't want to go all in on one year but like it feels like this year might be their best shot and all of a sudden next year if you know someone gets hurt or if someone you know uh something someone severely declines you could really see a shift in their in their i guess their potential for the future so i would try to go all in now if you're the mets um these windows close quicker than you think. So what do you think about the NL East? Then? No, it's a good point because the NL East is a very just, it's a huge question mark division because there's so much talent, but you just don't know. And I, and I do agree. The Mets need to be buying. They need to be going all in because, you know, I think that, of course, we, we both agree. The division, it, it, for this division, it's it's division win or bust. You're not going to make the wild card because right now the wild card, you're sitting at the 58 yeah. and 43 Padres who would be the second wild card team. So you're pretty much t- telling... Every team, you guys are 10, 10 plus games back in the wild card race, but you're only four games back in your division. So you know, and Atlanta you, you, and you, Philly. Even if you could make the wild card, you don't you don't wanna, you don't want to play the Dodgers, Giants, or Padres. That sounds awful. So exactly, exactly. So, Playing all those guys, they all have elite ace aces to go one yeah. game, and so um, it's it's really division or bust. So I mean, I mean honestly. I see a lot of these teams as possibly being buyers. You know, I think that I agree, of course, with the Nationals. You need to, of course, get rid of a guy like Scherzer because you can get a lot from him. You can get a big package in return. You can even get guys that are even ready to play right now. You know, guys yeah. that are ready, that are already veterans or, you know, under 30 but are still have been playing in the past, you know, five seasons or yeah. so. Yeah, a Scherzer to the Yankees deal could get you... Galaber uh, and a couple other guys, Right, you know? it could get you guys who are ready to play, like, third base for your team going forward, second base for your team going forward, mm-hmm. which is what they need to add uh, the, the Nationals. So. Exactly. And so I see that definitely being uh, sellers because seven games back, you know, even for the division, I think it just... it's it, They're asking too much uh, for the Nationals to make that kind of push. You know... Philly, I don't think they. I think they really can't be sellers because when you sign Bryce Harper to thirteen years and give him that huge contract, yeah. and then you know you have guys like McCutcheon, uh, Segura, all these other good talents guys. You sign Real, uh, Real Muto, you can't be sellers. You cannot tell your team we're just going to bag on the team because this will be the third season with Harper and nothing to show for it. No playoffs, no nothing at all. So. I see Phillies having to be buyers. Yeah, and, and they they got they got Wheeler, of course, right? Yes, and you're that, right. You're right. That turned out to be a super great pickup because he's obviously been very special. Um, he's I'm trying to find his deal right now. Uh, so yeah, he's currently signed through 2024, and so it feels like uh, they need to make something big happen while he is doing what he's doing right now. Exactly. Because you know he's at the top of his game. He's probably having his career year right now. Exactly. And so you want to have this year or next year be like. A, a big push if you're Philly because um, essentially that's the kind of guy who you know you 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 sort of went uh, I guess you kind of invested in him right you said we're yeah. gonna give you a good deal good four or five year deal and we believe in you and he's showing it so you want to really you know reward that with like by I guess making a push in the other holes in your lineup no definitely and even also to add you're you're pitching with Nola 
you're pitching with um, Elflin, who's been actually really good this season. Nola's been kind of taking a step back, had kind of a down year this year so far. But, but in, yeah, in a series, though, I can see yeah. him being uh, amazing. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, Atlanta, I think, has to be in. I, you know, honestly, too, I think also the Braves are also, I think they're going to be buyers. I think that they think really? we're, only, we're only four games back. We are having the support from guys that we, you know, have seen before, like Freeman from Albies. For me, I just think the Braves have that mindset where they're probably thinking maybe if we just go out there and get um, maybe even like a Starling Marte and get that. It'd be kind of crazy to get an interdivision trade, but maybe like a Starling Marte kind of guy and we can add him into the piece and he could play, you know, possibly some uh, some center field for us or play outfield. And then we could have that that piece there to replace Acuna just for this season. But um, yeah, it, I, I don't know. I, I, don't, idea. I don't see the Braves punting yet because they're only four games back. I know they have some really tricky uh, games ahead, and right now they're actually sitting one game under five hundred, which is kind of crazy that the way the division is. You know, I wish the Angels were in this division because we'd be yeah. looking really good right now. Yeah. Um, but you know, I don't see the Braves punting yet because I just think that they are. Um, I think from being last, from being three innings away from a World Series trip against the Dodgers, I think they're really not 100% sold, especially with the young guys they got. I think they're kind of not really 100% sold that the Mets are the real deal. If DeGrom doesn't return, and now you're pretty much hoping that Rich Hill, Stroman, and Tywin Walker can lead you to the division, I think the Braves would say, you know what? We, we like, like our guys. We, we yeah. like Anderson. We like Freed. We like our guys, Morton, as well. I think we can easily co- compete and hang with you guys. Um, so sure, that's a fair point. It's, it's interesting. The, and like I said, the East is just kind of a huge just what's going to happen you know it's it, it, it the, the teams are the teams have great players but the division itself is just so it's sloppy right it's now. sloppy exactly exactly so I'll, I'll leave with that with the with the uh nl east we'll go down to the central actually you know i'll kind of cover the west for us i think the west is pretty easy you have two really bad teams and you have three really good teams yeah so you pretty much have your sellers and you have your buyers and that's basically it you know and, and i do think that the teams that are sellers i think charles i think there's something very key about when you are obviously a seller, you need to just like man Embrace up it. and sell. Embrace it. Embrace the it. The Rockies and the Diamondbacks both need to say, okay, we got no shot this year. We got no shot next year and probably no shot the year after that. Let's be thinking five years ahead. How, what can we do? 100%. What can we do in that time to be relevant when maybe when Machado starts getting old when uh you know maybe Dodgers can't really afford to keep Kershaw or maybe Kershaw starts getting you know uh declining when when these teams these Padres Dodgers dynasty start fading out we want to be ready so a way to be ready is to trade Story or Marquez for a bunch of prospects yes guys that won't be in your team anyways in five years you should be looking at okay how much could I get for them right now let's sell them when their value is highest Story could obviously get a nice return because Teams are going to be looking to trade for him and also to keep him, much like the the Lindor deal. Lindor was traded. The Mets knew we can extend him. Some team like the Yankees, you know, like, you know, who knows, Texas maybe, they want to trade for a story and keep him around. Uh, Marquez, team control, is going to be great so they can get a lot of prospects for him as well. And Travis, the Diamondbacks have tons of... I think the Diamondbacks have good players. They have a guy like Eduardo Escobar that could fit into so many teams. I, I see him in tons of rumors with like White Sox or like a Yankees, teams that need an infielder, a lefty, because he's a switch hitter, but he hits righties very well. So a guy like him could plug into a second base spot for the White Sox with a no magical being injured. Definitely. Um, you can plug him into anywhere in the infield for the Yankees who do need that infield help, uh, infield depth. So and same thing with Marte. 
any infield depth, even outfield depth too. He's kind of the oh, whole utility guy. I mean, Travis, I don't know how much control they have over Marte, but if they were able to get a package for Cattell, it would be huge because yeah. we all know how talented he is. Yeah. His his power numbers, his exit velocity numbers, it's always through the roof. I don't think that 2019 year was a fluke for him. It may end up being his high, his best year, but I think he can get similar sort of production uh, in the future for sure. So he would draw a huge package. They could really get a lot for some of their guys. I'm not sure who they're willing to deal with. Carson Kelly, I'm not sure if he's they're willing to deal him. I know Gallon is probably the thing. Gallon's like our guy. They don't want to deal him. And I was going to bring uh, that up just too because yet. if you're thinking five years down the line and Gallon probably has a just a ton of control, I, yeah. I don't know when he's, his deal's up in 2024 or five. I mean, how could you not say if we give this guy away to a contender like the Red Sox or some team – um, well, you'd get something crazy in return. You, you yeah. could get some pretty because now you'd be saying, okay, this guy is young. He is really good. He is going to be good for the next five years because he's only going to be getting better. And also, you're going to have him for less than probably $5 million. I mean, I just feel like they could unload a lot. Same with the Rockies. I still don't – it's give, it's almost a headache that I they have not unloaded yet because if yeah. I was a Rockies fan – I would be rejoicing the day that they trade Story, Blackman, and Marquez in some sort of all these different packages. Yeah, I mean, the, the list goes on. I mean, you have uh, I rather jo- know that our John Gray. Like, there's tons exactly. of guys that they have. Exactly. You probably want to keep guys like McMahon, maybe, just so that you have someone kind of hanging you don't around. Want to totally, yeah, you don't want to totally just give up the whole entire team because you want to at least draw some tickets, Ticket, you know. Yeah, but but they could sell. They could sell. I mean, both these teams could sell a handful of guys and get such a huge prospect prospect return just put so much juice into that farm system and really give the fans something to look forward to uh, in a few years versus you know letting story expire or letting Eduardo Escobar expire it's just a total waste in my mind yeah, um, yeah, you, yeah. you're really just kind of missing out on something you could have had because you're not going to win anything yeah, this year because you're going to be in the same division as Moogie Betts Tatis Machado Cronenworth some of these you know upcoming names and big names yeah. you, I mean the Dodgers and the Padres are going to still be relevant in 2027 or 2028 I just think I think that they have really good systems right now and some of these teams are built for long runs like the Padres right now of course they they should be built for a long time you know, for the for this decade at least, they should be mm-hmm. almost looking like that nineteen nineties Braves team, where every year they were winning the division, they were putting up a huge fight for the uh, the NL pennant. Pretty much, so, pretty much what the Dodgers have been the last five years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So the West, of course, I think is very e- easy when it comes to who's buying and who's selling. But um, NL Central, it it gets a little bit more interesting because um, Brewers, we already saw they're buyers and they should be buyers. They, I think, are a couple or maybe even one good bat away from being. This team should be and could be World Series bound. Yeah. Um, with that rotation and everything in the bullpen, if they get one bat, they are scary. You go down to the bottom, Pittsburgh, they need to be selling because they have one of the best second basemen right now in the game in Frazier, uh, one of the best averages in baseball, too. Um, also with um, Brian Reynolds as well. I don't know how much control or what they want to do with these guys. Um, they see them kind of being longer term. Guys, maybe like, you know, in five years, they'll still be on the team. They'll be good. And maybe we can have a full revamped, you know, renovated team that is completely right. different. But um, Pittsburgh, of course, and also the Cubbies, because we have heard the big names, of course, Kimbrell, Bryant, Riz- Bryant Rizzo, and even yeah. also Kyle Hendricks, some of these other names. I think the Cubs, sadly, will have to punt and just give up yeah. all these guys because you know what? They don't, they don't got much of a shot this you, year. You, you won the World Series with this team. It's going to always be remembered as one of those Cubs, as, as the greatest Cubs team pretty much in the last 100 years. You know, you have these guys, but I think also from an organization standpoint, you got to say, you know, 
it's time time has come yeah. you know we already gave up darvish like exactly. It, it's, exactly it's one of those things where you have one foot out the door and then you start hesitating it's like no you have to just kind of bite the bullet and i hate that i hate yeah. seeing teams do that i know me and you we always talk about the angels you know either you know I, and the angels of course are always in a tough spot because of guys like shohei and trout where it's like okay well you don't want to just say let's just start over because you we have, have generate you have yeah talent that you have never seen before in these two guys so Angels, of course, are always put in a tough spot, but like the Cubs, it's pretty easy. You have a great third baseman in, in Bryant, and you have a great first baseman. And in there are teams that need third baseman. Like, imagine if a Brewers or a yes. Yankees added a guy like Bryant who could be an outfielder or a you and, know, and I was also even corner thinking, infielder. I was also even thinking even Atlanta. I mean, imagine if Atlanta yeah. just said, we'll get Bryant and we can move even... Um, uh, he lost my mind. He's the young third Austin baseman. Riley. Austin Riley. Um, even move him to left field or something like that. You could even put Bryant at third base... That'd be a crazy infield. You'd have Bryant, Dansby, uh, Albies, and also Freeman. That'd be that'd be just an insane kind of infield. And so yeah. you could have that. You could have a lot of teams with uh, Bryant. Of course, with uh, Rizzo, everyone's been saying the Red Sox. They think the Red Sox are the top team to land Rizzo. It takes a lot of, of course, prospects to get that. But, I mean, man, you have Rizzo in that infield with Bogarts and Devers. That is a, I mean, that is a scary lineup. The it's Red a great Sox. lefty bat to add in the middle there. They'd be having him added onto the team and then also sale coming on in August sometime. I mean, that would just be kind of a scary team walking into October. The Red Sox would have everything working for them. So um, it's just funny how the Red Sox last year, you know, I know it's a 60 game season, of course, but last year, one of the worst teams. Yeah. And, and 2019 also, or sorry. Yeah. 2019 also a losing team, a losing team. Yeah. And then, you know, you have core come back after last season being gone for the full year. And he just kind of turns the ship around. He says, you know, we only lost a couple guys. I know we lost bets, and you know we don't have them anymore. But we're still. But a good Verdugo's team. good. We have good options. Yeah, there. exactly. And, and I I really like that move. I mean, getting a guy like Verdugo, he was doing really good in L.A. and he's young. And it's like you know what? You just bring him to Boston. And sometimes these cities and these names can bring the best out of some of these yeah. players. So I mean, I will always say that them letting bets go is a trap. It, it yeah. makes it's just a, it's an absolute killer to the fans. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. know how you could do that to your fans. But if there's no trout, bets is of course is the guy you, you would say, oh, he's possibly the best player in baseball right yeah. now. Yeah. And, and so but letting him go, if you're gonna let him go, getting a guy like Verdugo to fill that spot, it was it definitely is looking like a pretty solid choice right now. Um but yeah, I do think the Red Sox like it's a good point that they should go all in for a guy like Rizzo or maybe some bullpen help. Uh, I think that, you know, they have a real shot here to be, uh, you know, they, I mean, they they have a shot to win it all. Of course, they're one of these teams that are leading their division. Um, I don't think that they're going to be the tops for a really long time because the Rays are always going to be there. The Yankees have so much money. Um, so they should make the most of this year. Um, yeah, I think the Cubs, you brought up a lot of good points. They should be trying to sell. They're just in that spot, unfortunately. And sticking with that NL Central, I think the Brewers are in a prime spot to buy. Like you mentioned. They have to be. Pretty much one big piece away. If they so they have Adamas right now playing third, uh, playing shortstop. Yeah, he has been. I think I saw a stat. He's been like top four in like Fangraphs war since they added him. Like in all of baseball, he's been yeah. such a yeah. good impact. Piece good for defender. Them. Also with Wong playing second base. I mean, and I think Adamas. Like, I mean, we always saw those stats of how good he was outside of Tropicana. I feel like now they just got pretty much they got yeah. they got road Adamas all yeah. the time. Yeah, and this guy's kind of funny. Yeah, but um, essentially, you know. I still a, a, a kind of a question mark at third base. Different guys stepping up for them at different times, but um, I do think that you know I know they added a, a Rowdy Tellez. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. To play, to play first base uh, with Vogelbach being injured, but 
Um, I do feel like that, that that's not really enough. And I think based on the seasons that Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta are having, you need to take the big step and say, okay, let's get one big bat that will really help us against a Padres in a series, against a Dodgers in a series. Completely um, agree, yeah. If they added a Chris Bryant. So I, I just think of, of Yelich being like a really great lefty bat. He's not had the year that anyone wanted. Um, it's really unfortunate to see this decline he's having. I do think, think there's a lot of potential there. With He still hits the ball really hard, and he walks a lot. He's just not hitting it in the air. He's not getting the long ball at all. But um, I guess you have the lefty bat of Yelich. I think pairing it with a ready bat, like either a Bryant or a Story or a Jose Ramirez, who actually hits lefties very well, uh, would be so good for them. That's a good point. Yeah, Jose Ramirez, too. I all those guys could play third base uh, for them. Story probably maybe play short and Adamas come to third. But all those guys can kind of be at the left side of the infield with Adamas and would help their offense in a huge way. And their pitching is already just so set. Um, yeah. yeah. No, no, nothing to add there. So I think the Brewers have a real shot to be very special this year. But they do need to make a big move. I hope they're ready to do that because um, they'd be so fun to watch uh, being in the World Series they, or the NL, NL, NLCS. They would. And I think with the front office of them, you have to realize that this is a special year we're having. I mean, we have three insane arms coming yeah. in, the, in the rotation. So uh, Brewers have to be buyers. The two teams that are kind of interesting to me are the Reds and the, and the Cardinals. Um, of course, you know, Reds have an offense that is very, very good. You know, Castellanos and Winker, both all-stars starting in the outfield. Um, you still have Suarez playing the infield as well. Uh, Votto's getting some playing time, but um, the Reds are kind of interesting too because you know they are an odd spot. Yeah, they're 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 good, and I actually did not expect them to be this good. I actually expect them to be probably third or fourth in the division, but you know, second place above five hundred, um, looking looking pretty decent. Um, I know they're still five and a half games out of the wild card, uh, but I, of course, this is another team where I don't see them. I don't really see them making too much of a push in the wild card just because. The it's Padres, like, the Dodgers, and the Giants yeah. are the, the three best teams. My, my way I approach it mentally is, do you think this is your year? Yeah. Or do you think your year is in a few years? Yeah. And for them, I don't think they could possibly be saying, this is our year, let's go all in. Uh, I don't know if it's right to sell Gray or Castillo when they're both so good and there's so much promise there for the next couple seasons. But they could get a lot for it. They could. Um, yeah. I don't know why you would deal Winker or Castellanos either. But um, they have good players. And I really feel like they could get quite a bit for some of these guys. Uh, they could be competitive next year for sure. And that's, that's the thing. They because could. there's a lot of, I guess, stuff up in the air for this NL Central. We weren't really sure who was going to win it this year between uh, Brewers and Cardinals was like the two leading teams. Cardinals have been unimpressive so far. So the Reds could easily take over next year if they traded maybe, uh, you know, I guess someone that was going to expire this year and try to get something for them. But at the same time, uh, it's, hard, it's a hard division to read, I'll say. I think so. And I think they both teams will stay idle. They won't, of course, make moves because I think they're just looking at the spot. And the Cardinals might say, okay, we'll have to just, you know, take it this year. You know, kind of just get over it. Go at 2022. We still have, of course, a young, good team. We still have Arenado, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, looking back at the Central, you know, 2018, the actually going back even to 2017, you know, the Cubs won the division that year. 2018, the Brewers won the division. 2019, uh, the Cardinals won the division. In 2020, the Cubs won the division. Every year, it's changing. There's not like a dynasty that's been in the NL Central. For, right. You know, ever since I think the Cubs, when they had the World Series team, they were kind of that three, four year dynasty they had. Yeah. But 
The NL Central is changing every year. So I think you look at the Reds and you would say, listen, this year, you know, we're just going to still try to compete. We're not done. We're only six and a half back of the Brewers. What happens if, you know, for hopefully it doesn't happen, but what happens, you know, what happens with Woodruff? Someone needs Tommy John. Someone gets hurt. Then you, of course, reduce that rotation down. And we can also kind of keep on going along. So I think the Reds are a team that would probably just stay a little bit. Um, just kind of stay in position, but not go exactly, for it all quite Exactly, yet. exactly. I think, and you're right. I, I like the point you made a lot where you said, is it, are we trying to really win this season or what's the goal? Are we looking for next season? You look at the Reds. I mean, are they a World Series team? I do not see that one bit. I right. mean, they have a really good offense and some good offensive players, but that's about it. You look at, of course, the NL West. Those three teams have all the strengths to be a World Series contender, winning, of course, the NL. I think you look at also the Mets. The Mets are a team that are, you have to say, we're going in this year. This has to be the yeah. year with DeGrom the way he is. Yeah, ne- next year Atlanta could be crazy again. Year after that, maybe the Phillies are ready to make that big step. Exactly. So this year is the Mets' year to do something uh, big. And, you know, if they can get over this injury bug they have, they could definitely be scary yep. for uh, a, another good team in the NL. But, uh, that kind of wraps everything up, right, Travis? Yeah, that um, kind of talks about everything. I know we kind of went through almost. A good, I, I know we talked about a good twelve teams that are going to be buyers or sellers that are the most interesting. But um, no, I like what we had to say. Um, I think we should close right now on just uh, a little bit, some grab bag topics. I know you said you had a couple of trivia questions you wanted to kind of bring up. And that's right. That's as right. we close out here, I also had a couple of interesting thoughts to float to you. So. Why don't you give me a trivia question? And we'll just kind of chat for a bit before we close out. Yeah. So uh, actually, I saw this um, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I took a screenshot of it because I was like, "This is actually really interesting." You know, this is kind of a freak thing that I, I you know, you just would not understand. You know, not not really realize to see what happens. But um, most swing and misses induced in one game this season was kind of the the trivia question, the yeah. stat that we're going over. And so um, it had five guys, and the five guys represent only three teams. So actually there's some guys that have done it either twice or have done, you know, the rotation in the team has, you know, done it more than once. But um, there's five, four, I'll say that there are four guys, but there's five instances pretty much. And okay. So um, most swing and misses induced in one game. On the list, of course, at last you have Lucas Giolito, um, May 30th, he induced 28 swing and misses. And coming in second or coming in fourth is Jacob deGrom. And he also came in third as well um, with 29. And then also at 29 for the White Sox, you had Dylan Cease. Wow. Um, so all four of these are all three of these guys realistic, realistically um, have had the most swing and misses in a game. So really good stuff. But there's one guy that actually leads all of them. And I want to ask you if you knew it by chance, if you had any idea who that guy was, who's a good swing and miss guy in the league right now? I think I know. And I think it's, I think it's actually something that's going to surprise a lot of people. I remember him doing this earlier in the year, and he actually had a great outing just recently as well. But I think it's Patrick Sandoval. That is correct. That's correct. Yeah, I I, I know that his his like slider and changeup have just been like super elite in terms of getting either uh you know just getting swinging strikes essentially. He's just been super good at avoiding barrels, avoiding creating whiffs, and. Uh, what he's been doing, Travis, has been super impressive. It's been very a very bright spot for the Angels this year. You really hope he can keep this up. And Travis, I think you know stats like how much you make batters swing and miss. That is almost a better indicator in my mind than like a stat like ERA because ERA we use it all the time to kind of grade players. But we know tons of we know tons of guys, Travis, who have really low ERAs. But if it's kind of fluky, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. guys who have high high ERAs, be like, oh, I still want that guy on my team. I know what he brings yeah. to the table. Yeah. So a guy like Sandoval, 
I'm not really concerned about his ERA. I just hope he can keep this kind of swing and miss stuff up. Keep like, you know, not allowing very many hits, getting tons of strikeouts, not that many walks. That's all super important stuff. Uh, if he can keep, keep it up for next season, year after, he can be a staple in our rotation, which I don't think we really saw that coming into this year. We didn't think that he'd be that guy. He has been that guy uh, for us so far. Um, he I'm, that I, guy, Phil. I'm very happy with him, to say yeah. the least. And, uh, and I kind of wanted to bring that up, too. I wanted to bring that trivia question uh, stat line up because of what we saw yesterday and last night against the Twins. Nine and one-third inning of no-hit baseball. Yeah. Of course, a double had to break it up. And it was kind of a... It wasn't almost a solid hit double. It was kind of just a little bit. It was, a, it was a slap, yeah. A slapper over the first baseman hit first baseman's head, and you're you're just you know you just kind of like, geez, man, like that's, that. That'll happen. That'll happen. That that of course is one of the ones that pain that break the no hitters. Those are the those are the painful hits you have to see. But um, he had about thirteen strikeouts last night too, and so it's been impressive watching him. Yeah. Um, with the way that he's been fooling some of these hitters. Uh, it's it's a really nice surprise, and, and he's definitely a, a guy that, that no one really saw coming. And if you told everyone, oh, late July, Patrick Sandoval is going to be one of your top three guys in the rotation. It would have surprised us. You would have been like, you know. What happened wow. to the rest of the team? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, what, what what's going on there? So, um, yeah, a very, very interesting uh, stat I saw, and I wanted to share with you guys and, of course, the viewers, and, you know, just – just show you guys. Yeah, keep, keep your eyes on Sandoval, guys. Yeah, especially when you're having more swing and misses than Jacob DeGrom. And so that yeah. that is very, very... Yeah, a guy um, who throws 100 and has a 95 slider that is like the best in the game. When you can when you can outshine him in, in certain things, it's always going to be impressive. Yeah. And so uh, last question, you know, I recently I've just... I don't know why I've been watching a lot of Red Sox because they, of course, been on national TV. But I was watching the game yesterday. They were playing the uh, the Yankees on, on Fox during the day. So it was nationally televised. But there's a really cool stat I saw. Um, it was basically the top five Boston Red Sox players in team history, the top five with the highest career slugging percentages um, in Red Sox franchise history. Now, of course, you had to have at least had 1,500 plate appearances to make okay. this list. So you look at that, you're looking at about four seasons. You have to be a Red Sox player to be on this list. But I want to see if you can name um, or even come close to all five of these guys. So five, of course, uh, there are some names that, of course, are are iconic, and yeah. so you'll of course. So get five those. career leaders in slugging. Five career leaders in slugging in the Boston Red Sox in team history. Okay, Rafael Devers. No. No. Okay. No. I mean, did, I wonder if he has fifteen hundred. Do you think he does? I'm, I'm not even sure. It's it's close, it's but yeah, you're right. You wonder if he has only fifteen hundred, yeah. but yeah. The, the the power and the doubles from him made me think it might have been him. Um, he's been having a great year, but okay, so I'll, I'll move on from that. So I'll say Ted Williams has to be there. Yes, Ted Williams. Of course. Um, now kind of looking else, other guys in history, I'll probably guess Jimmy Fox as well. Jimmy Fox is number two okay. on the list. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure about him because he did play his later years there. So maybe he had some like older yeah. years to weigh it down. Yeah. But no, he, of course, is a legend. So both, both Williams is one, Fox is two. Both okay. guys are above uh, 600 slugging percentage for the Red Sox. Okay. Everyone okay. else is going to be in the 500s. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I guess I'll have to guess Bogarts. Bogarts, no. Not on no, the list. Not okay. on the list. I'm trying to think of what active players might be on it. Uh, maybe there are none, but I assume there might be some. So I'll, I'll, have, to, I'll have to keep digging. Um, so now, obviously, other legendary names. I'll have to guess David Ortiz. David Ortiz, yep. Okay. Number four on the list. Okay. Um, okay, number four. That makes sense. And then, of course, I'll have to guess Manny. Manny, number three on the list. Okay. So, so well, I've, I've one got one through four. One through four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so my guess is number five is going to be an active player. Maybe it's not. Maybe this stat was no. Complete. That's a good. That's a good way to go back. I mean, they, I don't know if they really put the stat out in a game if it wasn't for if it some, wasn't relevant. Yeah, right. exactly. They wouldn't just say, "Oh, here are the the Red Sox home run leaders," or you know, and, and it's no one on, on on the team. So right. Um, but at the same time, 
I'm troubled here. I guess I'll have to guess JD Martinez. It's just Dingers Martinez. Okay. Yeah, he is at 562, uh, fifth on Red Sox uh, slugging percentage. That's big time. Kind of, you know, kind of crazy because he got picked up in really, really almost late off season of 2018 when the year they made their huge, you know, run for the World Series. That Red Sox team in 2018 was just insanely good. But yeah, JD Martinez has just been kind of a reborn guy i mean we saw him of course it was it was really funny because if you look back he was a houston astro and he mm. was whatever you know yeah wasn't really really relevant then of course went to the uh tigers and actually had a really good season the tigers traded him to the dimebacks had a really good season i think with the dimebacks in 2017 i think he had a four home run game that year he was right. on fire right. that year um and so yeah 2018 he of course kept on going and he's been of course one of the best dhs in the game so far this season so um, I saw that and I was like, you know, that's actually a really, really cool, uh, you know, I think it's a really cool visual to see these slugging percentages. And of course, these legends, Manny, Big Poppy, Jimmy right. Fox. Right. And then also now you have Hall of Famers, or Hall of Fame type guys, as, as well as like a Red Sox icon. So maybe JD's right on that path to be, join them someday. Um, exactly. That, that's a really interesting stat. Exactly. Uh, one last thing we can close on, Travis. Um, I had this kind of realization the other day when I was... Uh, looking at some Yelich stuff. And I do think that there's a lot of upside for him to get back in his groove and get back to an MVP level. I think he's just that kind of guy. I think he brings a lot to the table offensively and on the base paths. But there's no doubt that he's really slipped off, right? Like, it's really not the year he's wanted. Last year was definitely not the year he's wanted either. He still walks a ton, so there's still value that he brings. But in terms of, he he was a contact hitter, Travis. He was, you know, tops in batting average multiple years, as well as, you know, leading in OPS. He had a 1.1 OPS plus year, you know, 1100. That is, that's something that I, I Trout is not even consistently being able to do. Exactly. Yelich so was a really crazy guy for, for two years there. He had the MVP and then in 2019, I think he should have been the MVP. It went to Bellinger on the better team, but Yelich's OPS that year, even though he missed a, couple, a month or so. It, it's funny when guys have better years than their MVP years and yeah. they don't get the MVP. You know, of course, Bellinger had a really good season. But, of course, you look at the final product. Uh, Yelich in 2019 led the NL in average. He led the NL in on-base. He led baseball in slugging, and he led baseball in OPS. He led the NL in OPS+. plus. So all these percentage stats all went to Yelich. By far. By yeah. far. He, and so, he was an amazing, amazing player. Bellinger actually, I think, had the war advantage because he faced that great defense. Exactly. But Yelich exactly. um, also a great base dealer in the base pass. Anyways, Travis, I bring all this up. Because I had this realization about Yelich, and I hope this is not the case, but, you know, in 2019, I'm like, this guy is, you know, 1B to Trout, in my mind, as a hitter at the plate. That's sort of been taken over by Soto recently, but I really did think that Yelich was, like, going to be that guy to be, like, the best hitter in baseball besides Trout. I thought it was his place, and I thought he was going to continue his greatness and sort of be, like, a Hall of Fame conversation guy. But right now... I keep trying to draw mental comparisons, and I'm, I'm, he, I think he may end up being more in like this, uh, Don Mattingly, uh, Dale Murphy category. These great guys you hear about good, who yeah. are not in the Hall of Fame, they're not Hall of Famers, but they had an amazing like year or two year stretch where they won MVPs. They were the best players in baseball for like a year or two, which Yelich would have been for two years if not for Mike Trout. If you take Mike Trout out of the equation, Yelich, mm-hmm. I think Yelich mm-hmm. is for two years the best player in baseball. Uh, at least in my mind, and easily, easily, and and, and so he, looking at Yelich and what he kind of has done, uh, twenty twenty or yeah, twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, 
this decline, if he doesn't kind of group it back together, he could be in that kind of conversation for guys who are not Hall of Famers, but were the best player in the whole sport for more than a year. And it's really kind of crazy to think that he might be down that path. Um, I just kind of see it going that way. He can continue to provide really good value as a guy who walks a ton, as a guy with solid speed. Uh, you know, if he can get his contact back a bit, then that would help even more. But uh, it reminds me a lot of, you look at Mattingly's best years, Dale Murphy's best years. They were leading baseball in, in batting, and those both guys are good defenders as well, which Yelich is not a great defender. But uh, it just kind of an interesting comparison I made that maybe Yelich is not going to be on this all-time great path. Maybe he'll be on this path of guys we talk about in hindsight as that was a great player, just not an all-time great player, uh, didn't have the longevity, was at the top of baseball, but for too short of a time. What do you think yeah. about that? Yeah, kind the, of? The, the peak is a very just narrow peak for Yelich right, right. now. Narrow uh, and steep. Even looking at his numbers, you know, started off with, you know, just looking at OPS, he was in the 700s, you know, his early years with Miami, then kind of grew to a, to a low 800s OPS guy. Then went to Milwaukee and was a thousand higher in OPS. So yeah. he his peak just went straight up. And when you're above a thousand, you're in MVP conversation. You're an MVP, um, especially for a career. You're in Hall of Fame, like legendary, yeah. like goat conversation. But uh, you know, thousand uh, or higher OPS for two seasons, and then of course in 2020 dropping back down into 700 range for OPS. Um, and of course, you still look at the, the on-base percentage. He still has a career 382 on-base, which is still really, really good. Yeah, it's just I believe this year he's above 400. I'm not sure if he still is, but he's well up there. Barely below 400 at 387, but of course, the slugging. Um, really, it, this is actually an interesting one. A higher on-base than his slugging. He has a that, 373 slugging, but a 387 on-base. So I know he hits the ball hard still. It's just really a matter of he keeps hitting it on the ground, and it's it's... There just needs to be some kind of tweaks need to be made for him to get back to where he was, which may not honestly happen. Yeah. And I, you know, with him, it's funny because you always kind of, of course, will kind of think about the idea of, oh, well, maybe he was using something, you know, maybe he was, right, you but, know, you see this peak. He was, he was hit, the, the highest home runs he'd hit before Milwaukee was 21 with the Marlins in 2016. Then he jumps to 36. Then he jumps to 44. And I tell you, Alex, that second half of 2018 and all of 2019 I remember they did a full, like, I remember they, they measured the whole thing, and it was like, this guy was Barry Bonds almost like. like No, his it, numbers it, it were just so like, good. It made no sense, and I'm just like. And Barry Bonds, of course, was his hitting coach that actually Yelich gave a lot of credit to him for yeah. kind of adjusting his approach at the plate. Yeah, so Yelich is always, of course, an interesting guy because um, just having this huge peak. But, yeah, I, I love the comparisons with Dale Murphy and, of course, uh, uh, Matt and Lee because those are guys that always are, say, you know, aren't Hall of Famers but, of course, had really nice and good careers, had some really good MVP seasons. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see with that. I'm still, he's still one of my guys that I love to watch because, um, I think of course this season, it sucks where if, if imagine if he was having his 2019 season this season with that oh, rotation, yeah. I, mean, I mean, the Brewers be would special. be, would have to be the clear favorites. I, you'd be looking at a team for honestly, probably in, in, the, in at least this century could be one of the tops out there because of the rotation. The rotation is disgustingly filthy. So, yeah. um, Yeah. Hopefully he gets it back, and at least what what's nice with this is that he doesn't have any pressure, at least right now, on him. He's got guys that are producing. Um, he's got pitchers that, of course, are getting them wins, and so hopefully he can take this and kind of get everything back into order. Yeah, and, and we can and, see him come back. Yeah, and he's not he's not in that in a too uncommon of a spot right now either, because there are other guys like him who are just kind of not having their year. They're kind of slumping a bit. Guys exactly. like guys like Bellinger come to mind. Both Bellinger and Yelich were the MVP one and two in 2019 
And they both have had some injury issues this year, as well as just some issues at the plate, not hitting the ball right. Uh, I know, I believe Bellinger had like an 0 for 20 something stretch recently. You're just unable to hit the ball for contact and not hitting that much home runs either. Same goes for Yelich. Both guys, obviously really great players and a lot of hope for them to improve, but has not been there so far this year. That pretty much wraps stuff up, Travis. Yeah, actually, the one thing I will say, and it's kind of giving props to to Mike Trout. You know, it's funny you see these guys like Yelich and Bellinger. Bellinger to me always had, you know, twenty seventeen was an insane rookie. You know, he he got some he got top ten MVP voting. Twenty eighteen just had a real rocky year. Nineteen was back on top, one of the best players in the game. Twenty had a real rocky year. This year with injuries, of course, is having a really rocky year. Yeah. You know, you look at guys like Yelich and Bellinger really just being unpredictable. But then you look at a guy like Mike Trout, and it's like it, re- it really puts the appreciation towards him to another level. It's been a decade of Mike Trout. and There's been no rocky years. If he had a, you know, I'm looking at Bellinger's numbers. He was had a 933 OPS his rookie year, and that was really good. That was the second best he's ever had. If Mike Trout put together that kind of year, Mike Trout would say to himself, I am the worst player. Yeah. Like, I suck so badly. <laughs> Remember, I remember last year he had a nine. I think it was like a nine ninety OPS on the season. He was like, I, "I should I should be so ashamed of myself. Like I had an awful season." And everyone's like, "To your standards, but yeah. to ours, you're still th- th- that's still first top five in the bigs. You're top five, and, and so MVP voting. You yeah. really you really put to you know grasp, and you really see. Okay, man, there there are there are good players like these guys, and then of course there are guys like Trout that are just generation players, and you don't really see this coming every every single decade or so. I want to give him credit too because I know, of course, he's of course not mad about it. But of course, the the, the show light has been pointed to Shohei Otani this season. Yeah. Of course, Mike Trout, and I think the world still knows Mike Trout's still the best player in the game. Shohei Otani's having a freak season, but Mike Trout is still the guy that consistently go back since 2012. It's just been greatness. Yeah. Yeah. And Travis, it's actually really funny that you bring that up because uh, my, my buddy, my, my my you know family friends, they brought up a funny conversation to me. And shout out to the McDougals if, if they're listening. But uh, you know they essentially brought up this question that you somehow somehow read, read my mind and brought it up in, in a way. Essentially, I was asked if I had to choose between having Trout or Otani um, going forward, not looking at the contracts, not looking at how much money they're owed, not looking at, I guess, what it would mean to the fans, but just in terms of on-the-field production, what does our team kind of need? What does any team need? Who would you go with having Otani or Trout for the next, you know, say, five years? Yeah. You know, for me, I, I'm i still going to keep it with Mike Trout. I'm still going to keep it with Mike Trout. The only way I say that is because Shohei Otani is doing things that we've never seen before. My biggest question is, when does the when does the, the time clock end? When, when when does this end? Next year we could see him have a great year on the mound. We could see him just totally slump at the plate. I, of course, I don't think it's going to be that way. I could see it the other way around. Maybe slumping on the mound and on the hitting side is still doing great. But um, I just seen the last ten years of Trout. We are we're, we're just we're just seeing stupidity when it comes to the numbers. I mean, he, when he left the Angels this season um, for injury, he had an OPS at one oh nine oh. I mean, mm-hmm. he is doing. He things. was leading baseball at that time. He's doing things that Mantle and Mays couldn't even do, and so I look at that and I'm really, really impressed by it. And yeah, that 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 just to, just to kind of keep it short. Yeah, Trout is the guy for me. Yeah, I I will say that I told them the same thing you said. Pretty mm-hmm. much, I went with Trout because with Trout there is a 
there's like a floor, I guess. Like mm-hmm. if, if both guys are healthy, there's a floor of trout that's just simply higher than Otani. We've never seen trout have a real big struggle year. At the absolute worst, we're talking about like a 950 uh, OPS, and that is like still would be like one of his worst. Um, a guy like Otani, Travis, just last year, we saw him miss pitching. Uh, I think it's just like maybe a couple innings of pitching because of uh, arm injury, mm-hmm. and he was able to still bat, and he was a batting average was 190. So we've seen what Otani's floor looks like, and it is a below average player. It, it, you know, when there's injuries or when there's, you know, other minor things going wrong, he can look, uh, he can look, you know, like not even an all-star. Whereas Trout in his worst year looks like an all-star all the time. And, you know, I guess there's just a consistency to Trout that makes him that much more valuable. Otani, yes, he's a pitcher. And the Angels, obviously, the only issue is the pitching. And it hasn't been that way for, it seems like in Mike Trout's entire career, the only issue has been the pitching. But right now, even though Otani, uh, you know, knows how to pitch like an all-star, um, I guess it's just I wouldn't expect him to pitch like an all-star for the next five years as well as hit like an all-star for the next five years. And even if he does do it, Travis, like Otani's on a nice pace for maybe like a 10-more season. That would be super impressive. It would be it'd be remarkable. It would be historic, right? But that's also kind of the expectation for Trout, which is kind of funny. Even though Otani's doing both hitting and uh, pitching, he's just DHing. So the value of Trout playing center field and doing what he does at the plate makes him like a 10 more guy every year. Um, I think essentially Otani's best year uh, value-wise is equivalent to Trout's kind of average, which is just really crazy to say that about how good Trout is. And of course, we love Otani and what he's doing this year. Could end up being better than any Trout season ever. But I don't see Otani doing this year two or three more times, whereas I can see Trout doing what he's done for five more years pretty easily. I, th- I think you'd agree. And I think that's the main... Yeah, when you answered that question, that's what I think about. Can, can Shohei do what he's doing this year for for e- e- even even two years straight? I, I, yeah. I mean, next season will be a huge test. And, and and even like this month, Travis, ever since the All-Star break, Otani's been slumping a bit. Did homer today and homered a couple of days ago, but um, the offense has been a bit of a step down for him. And that's completely expected because when you come off that June that you had, that uh, whole first part of July was just so, so good. Just the home runs were on a whole nother level, plus, you know, the speed and the base pass, plus the pitching was all-star level. You know, you can't have a guy be an all-star at both ends every single month for multiple years in a row. Whereas with Trout is the only guy, it feels like every single month he is an all-star every single year, in uh, you know, year in, year out, month to month. There's no drops ever, so that's why definitely. he is so so key. I think that kind of wraps that up. Yeah, um, yeah, I, that, that, that definitely wraps I, I, that key I, part up. They asked me when I saw them, uh, my friends, if it, what I think you would say, and I said I'm pretty sure that Travis would go with Trout, just knowing him and I guess knowing what he has seen with this team in the last decade. I, I just you know, take loyalty aside, Trout has kind of earned his keep um, just yeah. from a production standpoint, without yeah. a doubt, um, yeah. over anyone else that might come in and be the hot guy for the year. So. Um, that kind of wraps things up, Travis. Very long episode today, so if you're listening to the end, thanks a bunch for shout out, thank <laughs> for, you for, yeah. for sticking with us. <laughs> I can't imagine how long this one's gonna be, but um, hopefully we covered a lot of ground with the trade deadline stuff. That trade deadline's coming up very soon, so maybe we'll have some trade news for you next week. Hopefully we can cover some of that. Uh, hopefully there's a plenty to talk about, but we'll cover that all next week. So thanks so much for listening, guys, and we will catch you guys next time. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>